We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Here in Washington, it was another day of humiliating defeats for Republican leader Kevin McCarthy. Hard right factions of the GOP are standing firm in voting against McCarthy as Speaker of the House on every ballot. Either Kevin bows out, realizing there's no path for him to become Speaker of the House, or he essentially has to wake up, bring the House into session, and put on a straitjacket. I rise to nominate Donald Trump for the position of Speaker of the House. Still not sworn in, Congressman-elect George Santos continues to cast his votes for House Speaker amid growing calls from his district to step down. Now to Cincinnati and the good news about the recovery of Buffalo Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. Doctors described the last 24 hours as remarkable, adding he's alert, moving his hands and feet, and right now he's still unable to speak. They canceled the game from Monday night. It's not going to be rescheduled, so there's no Bills-Bengals game, and there's going to be an oddity when you're computing the playoff scenarios. Duran, Duran, come undone. Let me try those headphones out, Phil. I don't like these all that much. Play the song, uh, Lewis, for a second, please. Yeah, these are better. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Phil. Here on Sid and Friends in the Morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I just saw Duran Duran perform in Times Square on New Year's Eve last week with my beautiful wife, Danielle, my son, Gaby, and my daughter, Ava. They did not do this one, Come Undone, but I do love this song. They did uh, three songs again. You remember what they were, Lewis? 
The, I do not. Wait a minute. Re, Rio? Wild Boys. Okay. Rio and Hungry Like the Wolf. Nice. Those were the uh, the three. Were you screaming like a little girl? I was, Simon, yes. Simon yes. Laban? That's exactly what I was doing, yes. I can't believe that. You can't believe this. I can't look at them. So you know what today is, Lewis? You have any idea what today is? Uh, football Friday. That's right. We're going to play a Football Friday game on Sid's Take, brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan. Peel to spoilers, your chance at cash and prizes every day. But no, above and beyond Football Friday, what is today, Lou Ruffino? I, I, by date? Go with that. The date is also significant, if that makes very, sense. Very, very significant, right. yes. Uh, two years now. That's right. Is today it, is January the 6th. My birthday. Oh. Two years ago today <laughs> was the riot, not the insurrection, not the government takeover, not all the nonsense you've heard about over the last two years from MSNBC and CNN and plenty of politicians along the way, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Adam Schiff's. There was a riot two years ago after President Trump spoke and a bunch of folks, the overwhelming minority of the people that showed up that day, decided to storm the Capitol and go inside. They did not kill any cops, not one, let alone the five that the lying media wants you to believe. I've heard Stephen A. Smith, my friend, say it time and time again. Five cops were killed that day. Not even one. Not even one. Not nearly as bad as they want you to believe. Embarrassing? 1,000%. Dark day in the history of this country. I mean, I'm not going 9-11. I'm not going Pearl Harbor. There's a million days in the history of this. Maybe a million too much, but there's a lot of days in the history of this country that were a heck of a lot worse than January 6th. I know the visual looked ugly. People's building and they're breaking windows and storming in. I know it looked ugly. But it really wasn't nearly as bad as the media and some politicians on both sides would lead you to believe over the last two years. In fact, Nancy Pelosi tweeted this just last night. Tomorrow, we solemnly observe, when you say that, you're talking about people dying, right? Oh, there was one death that day. She was a white girl killed by a black cop who happened to be an unarmed Trump supporter, Ashley Babbitt. She was gunned down for no apparent reason. So, yes, somebody did die that day, but not the cops. Nancy Pelosi goes on to say, Tomorrow, we solemnly observe the January 6th attack on the Capitol. As we mark a day that threatened our democracy, that's not even true, not even close to being true. Let us show our respect for the great institution of the Congress. We must open the House and proceed with the people's work. And, of course, she's talking about the Kevin McCarthy disaster which looks like may be resolved, I guess, late last night, according to our sources, Macedonia Phil. Late last night, there was an agreement, I guess, and it looks like after going 0 for 11 or 0 for 12 or 0 for 15, whatever it is, Kevin McCarthy is about to get that position finally. 
Is that what you reported this morning, Phil? Why are you attributing me as a source? I, I don't know. I, I don't. literally told you I have no idea what happened. I didn't, I didn't see anything. Well, somebody told me. Maybe it was Justin Ellick. Yeah. Don't put me into this, because now if it's wrong, people are going to put <laughs> spears at my neck. Oh, let's go to Justin Ellick. Justin, you reported this morning that Very there seems wrong. to be some type of meeting in place, and Kevin McCarthy is about to get this after four days of swinging and missing. My God, what's with the feedback? Just answer the question. All right, sorry. Forget my eardrums. Yeah, forget that. Let's go, let's go. Uh, yeah, so no, there's a, there's a letter, uh, some sort of document that that is an agreement, essentially, between uh, you know McCarthy and the 20 or so uh, Republicans who are, uh, you know, the mutiny, I guess right. you could, I guess you can call it, right. uh, to, uh, to come to an agreement and, uh, and get this thing going. Wasn't Matt forward. Gates on with Laura Ingram, though, like late last night, Lauren Ingram on uh, Fox News saying it wasn't going to happen? Yeah, but uh, the latest report I saw was, was that uh, very late. It could have be, even been uh, very early this morning. All right, these uh, are the potential concessions to win over anti-McCarthy Republicans, according to MSNBC, prime slots on key committees, appropriations, banking, and um, I guess a uh, motion to vacate threshold one member. I don't even know what these things mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what these <laughs> things Reading mean. Words. Whatever that, whatever that means. There was a thought behind what you yeah. just said. Whatever, whatever, whatever that means. I don't know. God, but, it, but, it, but, it's all, but it's all, you know, if McCarthy wants a seat, he obviously he has to give these people, you know, certain You got to make deals. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's give and take. That's, you know, for days, he got this uh, Chip Roy. He's out there nominating different people. I mean, he was causing so much trouble. One day he nominated Jim Jordan out of Ohio. Then he he nominated Byron Donalds out of the great state of Florida. So Matt Gates yesterday followed Chip Roy, what he's been doing, and he nominated somebody else besides Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. (laughs) You missed it. Uh, Here it was, Matt Gates. No, not Byron Donalds, not Jim Jordan. Here's who Matt Gates nominated yesterday. This Lou Rafino is Matt Gates, cut number 24. I rise to nominate Donald Trump for the position of Speaker of the House. Donald Trump. You know, there was somebody uh, reached out to me a couple of days ago and said, what about Lee Zeldin? You may remember that Miranda Devine, my friend from the New York Post, wrote weeks ago that she thought Lee Zeldin would be a great Speaker of the House. And then I started getting text messages. I remember Craig Eaton was one of them. And he said, well, he can't be Speaker of the House because... He no longer serves in Congress. I guess you didn't realize that you don't have to be an active member in Congress to be Speaker of the House. See, nobody knows. Nobody knew nobody that. Nobody knows right. a lot about so Mar- But I, I had a feeling Miranda Devine would not write a big column in the New York Post without knowing that. But people were like, I think she, I think she meant the RNC committee. No, she meant Speaker of the House. You don't have to be an active member, i.e., Lee Zeldin, i.e. Donald Trump. So Lee Zeldin will join me coming up at 8.40 this morning. And I was hoping that Zeldin would drop this bomb that he's interested and may get it. But it does look like Kevin McCarthy will end up getting this. Matt Gates with Ingram on Fox News last night did tell her how he sees he, the whole ending here for Kevin McCarthy. This, Lewis, is cut number 23. And I think this ends one of two ways, Trace. Either Kevin bows out, realizing there's no path for him to become Speaker of the House, even if he picks up one or two or three or five of the 20 who have opposed him half a dozen times on the floor, or he essentially has to wake up, 
bring the House into session and put on a straitjacket with a rules package that we've presented to him that doesn't allow a lot of discretion for the Speaker of the House. But still the biggest story today, it's not really Kevin McCarthy. It's not the two-year anniversary of January 6th. It's the imbecile in the White House, as Bernie would have said, Joe Biden, who once again yesterday was talking about going to the border, something he has not done, something his administration, for the most part, whether it's Mayorkas, Kamala Harris, they have not done. But, of course, uh, he finds a way, Joe Biden, to blame Republicans and for the mess. When we all know, of course, that Donald Trump did a great job building the wall and keeping folks out. Donald Trump did a great job at the border. Joe Biden has done a horrendous job. But he uh, he says he's going. He's going to the border. Here it is. This is uh, Joe Biden speaking yesterday, Lewis, cut number six. The next week I'm going to travel to Mexico where I'm going to meet with President Lewis. We have a big agenda that ranges from the climate crisis to economic development and other issues. But one important part of that agenda is strengthening our border between our nations. And I will visit the border myself this Sunday in El Paso to assess border enforcement operations, meet with the local officials and community leaders and the folks at the border sending me what they need that they don't have and make it public what they conclude they need they don't have to try to convince my Republican colleagues they should do something. And I know that migration is putting a real strain on the borders and on border communities. They can't do anything but that. We're going to get these communities more support. I, I mean, come him. on. Listen, he Jeez. doesn't sound good at He all. sounds like he's dying. Yeah, he sounds... The age is really catching up now. I mean, geez. You can hear it. I saw that yesterday. Then he goes on and gives a whopper of all. I mean, we know that he made Kamala Harris the border czar. She hasn't even gone. She went like once to like Dallas, called that the border. (laughs) I mean, she hasn't even gone. She has no idea what's going on there. That didn't stop Joe Biden from congratulating the worst vice president in the history of this country. Yeah, she checks a lot of boxes. She's a female. She's black. She banged the mayor of San Francisco. That's got to be worth something, I understand. But the truth is, she's the worst vice president in the history of the country. But this old, feeble idiot found a way to congratulate her yesterday on the border job. Hard to believe, Lewis. Joe Biden, cut number four. Well, President Harris led this effort, <laughs> led this effort to make things better in the countries from which they are leaving. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And thanks to her leadership, she's been <laughs> able to generate more than $3.2 billion from the private sector, Eight, nine, nine, jobs billion. and opportunities in El Salvador, <laughs> Honduras, and Guatemala. Sure, you go with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he just, he just makes up numbers. <laughs> so thank God for our good friend, Judge Janine Pirro, who does an amazing show on this station every Sunday, but of course is now one of the big faces and voices on The Five every day on Fox News. She talked about Joe Biden going to the border, had this to say. This is Judge Pirro, cut number 16. It's very hard for me to applaud Joe Biden, and I'll tell you why. The speech today pretty much says it all. The speech that he gave today, a quote is, the process is orderly, it's safe and humane, and it works. This guy is going to gaslight us when he goes there. He's going to talk about how great it is. Mm-hmm. He's not going to talk about the mess. Then she goes on to talk about how he basically was forced 
to do this, but going to the border means nothing. Fix it. This is Judge Pirro. Cut number 17. I believe that the moderate, that the Democrats who were in trouble this last midterm said, Joe, you got to go down there. If you don't go down there, we're all in trouble. And that's why even now governors like the one in Colorado, a Democratic governor, is, is now pushing illegals out of his state because he doesn't want them either. So this is a situation where his own party is forcing him to go there and saying, how dare you? This is an invasion of the southern border of people we know nothing about MS-13, Latin Kings, fentanyl, killing 100 people a day in the United States. And you're la-di-da-da-da telling us the border's secure. <laughs> Nonsense. Until he proves that it is secure, I don't believe a word he said. Then he's got uh, his henchman there, Joe Biden, Mayorkas, who's another liar who should be impeached as soon as the Republicans get this McCarthy thing done and get their House in order. They ought to impeach Mayorkas right away. Mayorkas is still lying, saying the border is not open. Still, this is Mayorkas, Lou Rubino, cut number 18. The border is not open. Yes, it is. We will continue to fully enforce our immigration laws in a safe, orderly, and humane manner. All right, so there you have it, January 6th. Today is the two-year anniversary. Kevin McCarthy seemingly getting closer getting that done as the Speaker of the House and the border. Still a major story. Still have to cover this DeMar Hamlin story. The Buffalo Bills defensive back who is, according to doctors, has improved dramatically. In fact, he woke up from the coma and he, he can't speak yet, but he wrote on a piece of paper for the doctors who won the game. So he, the football player in him, he woke up out of a coma after dying not once but twice. And the first thing he asked the doctors was who won the game. And, of course, we know there was no game. And there's an update on the possibility of a Bills-Bengals game or not. Mike Ragusa running for city council in Brooklyn. He'll join us live in studio coming up at 640. Curtis Sliwa, one of his two weekly appearances on the Sid Rosenberg Show, coming up at 7.05 live in studio. Mayor Rudy Giuliani, he'll be here at 7.40. Lee Zeldin at 8.40. And a huge, I mean major announcement. If you're a baseball fan, you do not want to miss this. Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, I've got the exclusive right here. 9 o'clock hour, huge baseball exclusive only on Sid and Friends in the morning. A big Friday show. Keep it right here. Get you going to the weekend with me, Sid Rosenberg, only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in Friends in the Morning 77 WABC. How much I'm going to do with the debit this year? God bless you all and may God protect our troops.
my busy show coming up. Mike Ragusa, Curtis Sliwa, possibly Joe Tacopin on the latest with the Idaho murders. Rudy Giuliani, Lee Zeldin, and a huge baseball surprise coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. So big first week back here in 2023. Very, very big. Shout out to my friend Keith Smolin this morning. Does a very good job with the Sid and Friends fans website. He and uh, Joe Salomino. They've, uh, they've been all over it. All these folks that come there to cause trouble, it's over, guys. You're done. It's over. You know, that's it. Oh, they're, mon- they're watching. Oh, they're watching. They're monitoring. Yes. They put you all on notice. Yes. Smolin. From way downtown. <laughs> I like that guy. Hey, let's be honest, Mike. Yeah. They've got it one side and the other side, and then the third side, uh, Smolin's right there. You know, you, you talk about Christopher Mador Grusso. And there was a story that came out yesterday that our mutual friend Michael Kay, who, of course, is most well-known for being the television Yes Network voice of the New York Yankees, but as a very successful weekday afternoon program locally on ESPN New York Radio. It's the only show that gets ratings, the only one. And even though Craig Carton and Evan Roberts at The Fan have had success lately, the last couple of years, even when Mike Francesa was at The Fan, Michael Kay doing a pretty good job, but the story came out yesterday, the day before, that he is set to retire. And one of the columnists at the Post, maybe Marsha, and I don't know, but they already got a short list of the possible Michael Kay replacements. And Chris Russo was the first name on that list. Makes sense. Doggy right now does a syndicated show on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Channel. When he left the fan, our dear friend. Carmazin, Mel Carmazin, gave Doggy a whole bunch of money and his own channel on Sirius XM. And Dog has done well there. He's got his own television show on the MLB Network. And he's on our show here about twice a month. But there were rumors a couple of weeks ago that they were going to reunite Chris Russo and Mike Francesa, the former legendary Mike and the Mad Dog combination, on the Stephen A. Smith segment on ESPN. So it makes sense. Russo back in New York. He misses local radio no matter what he says. He don't want to be talking about Brewer baseball in Milwaukee. You know, Padre baseball in San Diego. Back in New York, ESPN, which he's on now every week with Stephen A. Smith anyway. And maybe, who knows, maybe they actually call Mike too. Could you imagine Mike and Chris up Uh, against Roberts and Carton? Going to ESPN. Oh, my God. That is... That, how would Mike? That is like incalculable by today's standards, <laughs> Mike. Now, Sid, even you would have to agree to that. Yeah. I mean, that is like how. It's, and now I, I can't say about Mike. I can't talk about Mike. But. He will always say that, always. Because I'll get Dog on next week and I'll say, "What do you think about these rumors?" And he'll say exactly what you just said. I can't speak for Mike. Can't but, speak. Um, yeah. Can't speak for Mike. <laughs> we'll but you know, let's, let, 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 I, I have a contract. That's it. Let's see. <laughs> let's see how it goes, and uh, that we'll see. We'll see where the where the chips uh, fly on the planet. That's, I'd like to see him do something like that. I think it would be sure, fun I to think get Doggy back in New York talking Yo, local sports. Yeah, need him. Yeah, no need doubt. Him. Yeah. So uh, keep keep an eye on that one. ESPN Radio, Michael K, and who in fact does replace Michael K. So Lee Zeldin uh, is coming on at 8.40 this morning, and initially, when I reached out to Lee, as I said last segment, I was thinking maybe he becomes Speaker of the House, but it does look like Kevin McCarthy is very, very close 
very close to getting that done. But we'll talk to Zeldin about it anyway. Justin, sit down for a second. So the, the story about DeMar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills defensive back who collapsed on the field Monday night in the yeah. game against the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. had to be resuscitated twice. I need to talk here. I have been suffering cardiac arrest. But the story now is that as of yesterday, he's improved dramatically. And when he woke up, he actually wrote down, because he can't speak yet, to the doctors who won the game. Now, we know there was no game. And as of yesterday, there were no plans to play the game. Justin, what's the latest with that? Yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's a bit of a mess, I, I guess you could say. Uh, why cancel the game? Uh, the NFL listed three reasons. I said the outcome would have no bearing on which teams qualified for the postseason. Qualified, yes, but again, the seeding. Right. If Buffalo beat the Bengals on Monday night, they would have gone past Kansas City as the overall number one seed in the AFC. That means, for folks that don't follow it closely, every playoff game would have to go through Orchard Park in Buffalo, and that is a huge home field advantage for the Buffalo Bills. Yes, I mean, home field advantage through the playoffs is, is a huge advantage for any team, but especially Buffalo, given that that location, uh, one, and then two, their their rabid fan base. Um, and then the second reason they gave was playing the game would have, to, would have altered the playoff schedule uh, for the remaining teams. And then the third reason was not playing the game would allow all clubs to know the postseason possibilities before the start of week, week 18. So what comes next? Because of the canceled game, the league's owners will vote Friday. 24 of 32 are needed uh, to approve on scenarios approved by the competition committee uh, Thursday. So th- that was last night. Uh, that involved a neutral site for an AFC championship game. And that, wow. that is all dependent on these week 18 outcomes. If Buffalo and Kansas City both win or tie, a Bills-Chiefs championship game will be at a neutral site. Wow. If Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Baltimore wins or ties, a Bills-Chiefs championship game will be at a neutral site. If Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Cincinnati wins, a Bills or Bengals versus Chiefs championship game will be at a neutral site. Now, Buffalo, the Patriots need to win this weekend to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And they're playing Buffalo, I believe. So if the Pats beat the Bills and Kansas City wins, then you can play the championship game at Arrowhead Stadium because at that point, nobody can catch the Chiefs. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then it says here, if Buffalo and Kansas City both win this week and the Chiefs will get the bye. Right. If Buffalo wins and Kansas City loses, the Bills will be the number one seed and get the bye. And no neutral sites would come into play. And that would be based on winning percentage, yes. not wins, because Buffalo would still be one game back. Exactly. What a mess. I know. Can't it's they a just total avoid, mess. Can't they just avoid all of this and play the game? Just play the game. That's it. Total I mess. mean, Skip Bayless, that moron who should be, I'm not saying he should be fired, but he, all the... All the um, heartache that he received was deserved. You can't play the game that night, stupid. Skip Bayless, but you got to play the game game. at some point. Mm -hmm. At some point. Yes. But as usual, the NFL makes it more complicated than any of us can even. And there's even a coin flip scenario. You ready for this? Uh, Oh, God. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) The Baltimore Ravens win and are matched against Cincinnati in an AFC wildcard game. The site will be determined by a coin flip. (laughs) If Cincinnati wins or if the two teams are not matched (laughs) against each other after potential Ravens win regular yeah. scheduling procedures will go into it. You know, I was watching the yes. uh, the game live on Monday night and, you know, look, it was a, it was a very scary situation and it's, it's difficult if you're on television and you expect to be talking about the Bills and the Bengals. Now you're faced with this. It's not easy. So for Susie Colbert and for Booger McFarland and Adam Schefter, I'll give them that. That's not easy to go from a football analyst to a life and death situation. But the overdramatics, you know, the, the facial expressions, the intonation, 
And then day after day after day, former football players, current football players, football analysts, for days on ESPN and Sports Talk Radio, it got to the point for me yesterday, it was nauseating. Look, look, scary situation. I want the kid to be well. But all of a sudden, every moron on the street became a doctor. I mean, shut up. Yeah, every, every former NFL player had a cry on ESPN for three straight days. That is the problem with working in sports. That's why I basically got out. Because they have. Not, you, know, you would think between the NFL postseason right around the corner, Major League Baseball, spring training three weeks away. Yes, this is a huge story. This even transcends football. But every second of every day to break it down. It's become way too much. Yeah, it is. Especially since football has had, and this is not a comparison, the guy nearly died. I mean, it was terrible. But you've had a lot of awful things happen Of course. In Mike Gutley got paralyzed. Yes. Reggie Brown yes. almost got paralyzed. Dennis Bird of the Jets Darryl, got paralyzed. Daryl Stingley. Stingley. Uh, right. it's, there's a, it's, this is the sport. It's a violent sport, it's a, yes. It's very violent, and it's going in the other direction as yeah. years go on. But, you know, much. you've got to – but now you have to play this game. Well, they're not going to. I mean, but I know, all they but had like to do the, was push the weekends. And back. I don't even I don't even remember all the scenarios. I just I just <laughs> I mean, they're, they're ridiculous. I mean, they're ridiculous. It's they're gonna, not playing the game. Bottom line, it's going to end up asterisk for the Super Bowl winner. That's it. Which I'm makes no you. sense. Yeah, well, right. it makes no sense. Oh, you won that year. That uh, you know, exactly. right? That the kid died on the field. Yes. God bless him. Yeah. I know, stupid. That's what's going to happen. Yes, uh, Mike Ragusa is running for city council in Brooklyn. It's a very ugly race between the incumbent Democrat Justin Brennan and a guy named Ari Kagan, who just flipped from a Democrat to a Republican because that's his easiest path to victory. And here's poor Mike Ragusa, who's been a Republican from day one, trying to figure this thing out. He'll join us live in studio coming up next. You'll also get traffic and sports. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York Minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's minicast is from Cats at Night, talking with Melissa DeRosa about tension in Albany. Kathy Hochul's choice for Chief Judge Hector LaSalle is facing opposition. Melissa, who do you consider the major leader in the Latino community? You know, I look at people like Nydia Velasquez, who I think is very distinguished and holds a senior position within the congressional delegation. And her name was on a press release, but she's been very silent. I haven't seen them. They're scared of the left. Oh, they're scared. Exactly. That's exactly right. So maybe they'll even put their name on a press release, but they're not going to go out and die on the hill for this. I've been hearing a lot about Lang Insurance. They sell luxury home insurance to high net worth individuals in all 50 states. Call Kevin Lang at Lang Insurance. Call 866-964-4434. He's an expert in reviewing your current coverage to save you money, leaving you with your current insurance company or moving you to a less expensive one. Kevin speaks with every new client. Your call, they quote, you save. That's 866-964-4434 or visit Lang INS.com. This is Sid on Sports. Oh my goodness! 
Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. It's my guy Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. The cold weather returning. It'll be very cold the next couple of days. Get yourself a new Peerless Boiler. Check them out. PeerlessBoilers.com. PavilionTankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. Getting ready for the last regular season weekend of the National Football League. With all the sports Here's my guy, Justin Ellick. Well, you got it, Sydney. We can start right there real quick. We'll give you a, a quick uh, rundown of what to expect this weekend, obviously. The Bills and Bengals game, we just gave you a rundown on that. If you want to get a look at the scenarios, you can look it up for yourself. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing <laughs> we'll that again. We'll see you at the library. Yeah, we'll see you at the library, exactly. Take notes. Make sure you take notes. Uh, but uh, locally this weekend, the Jets, they're two-point underdogs in Miami against the Dolphins, 1 p.m. on Sunday. And the Giants, they are 14-point uh, underdogs in Philadelphia against the Eagles at 425 p.m. Eagles need to win that game to get the one seed in the NFC. And now over to local action here last night on the ice. That's where we were pretty much exclusively last night. The Rangers beat the Canadians in Montreal by a score of 4-1 to to win their third straight and improve to 11-2-1 in their past 14 games. So the Blue Shirts came out firing in the second with three goals in under six minutes. And they get set now to make the short trip to New Jersey next to face off with the Devils tomorrow afternoon. A little matinee action. Speaking of those Devils, they fell at home last night to the St. Louis Blues. 5-3 being your final score. Has the Blues uh, ultimately prevail here. It was, it was close late to hand New Jersey their 10th loss at home this season. And as for the Islanders, they lose as well. 4-2 to the Oilers up in Edmonton to move to 1-2 and two on their current four-game road trip. One bright spot for the Isles, Matthew Barzell. He lit the lamp yet again to improve his scoring streak to five games. The Islanders will be right back on the saddle tonight in Calgary to conclude the road trip. That puck drop against the Flames is set for 9 p.m. Eastern time. And also looking ahead to uh, action tonight on the hardwood. The Knicks, they're up in Toronto against the Raptors for a 7.30 p.m. tip. And the Nets, they'll be out in the Big Easy, New Orleans, against the Pelicans for a 7.30 p.m. tip as well. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update, I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Interesting, um, Rita Cosby there talked about Lee Zeldin as a potential candidate for Speaker of the House, even though it looks like late last night an agreement may be in place for Kevin McCarthy to finally get that. Either way, we'll talk to Lee Zeldin on this show, and that may come up at 8.40 this morning. And Harry Mays, one of my favorite sports talk show hosts in the country, out of the great city of Philadelphia, he texted me and he says about this um, Damar Hamlin situation. ESPN is the problem, Sid. I totally agree with your take. Just shut up already. We got it. The kid almost died twice. He's on the road to recovery. Give us the medical updates. Give us the good news. Enough with the histrionics. Enough with the crying. Enough with all the nonsense. All the per- Nobody cares. Stop. Well, you know, I say nobody cares, but millions and millions of morons watch this stuff every day. And that was my field for the better part of 20 years, talking stuff like that, day after day. My God. Anyway, politics is the same nonsense, just so you know. People are just as stupid. I always thought the sports listeners are stupid. But I got to tell you, dealing with these people on the Internet, 
because I'm friendly with the mayor. The political fans are as stupid, if not dumber, than sports fans. I mean that. They get these biases and prejudices, and they think they know everything. They have zero, zero ability to open up, be broader about their opinions and knowledge. One way, baby, one way street. I can't stand that. I've never liked that. You still argue with Bernie about that, to be completely honest. Open your eyes. Take a look around. There's a periphery that's not straight ahead. It ain't going to kill you. This uh, next guest of mine has become a good friend. He's a Brooklyn kid. I love that. I believe he's making his third in-studio appearance already. He's running for city council in Brooklyn up against uh, Justin Brennan. He's no good. And this uh, flip-flop artist, Ari Kagan, who recently went from a Democrat to a Republican because that's the easier path to victory. He couldn't care less about the issues in Brooklyn or anywhere else. Ragusa is actually a Brooklyn kid. He actually cares, and he's got a big event coming up on Sunday night in Bay Ridge. Here he is, Mike Ragusa. Good morning, Michael. Sid, how are you? Well, you, you I'm good. You forgot to mention you're the guest of honor on Sunday. I am the guest you of are. honor, but that's if I show up. Of it's you, that's uh, right. obvious. That's always in doubt. You know, my, my, my house is ruined. I'm actually living in the that. city right now. I'm sorry about that. Yes, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. So I don't even know what's going to happen. But, <laughs> but believe me when I tell you, because I love you and Lauren Conlon. Right. Uh, Who my, doesn't love Lauren Conlon? You have to love her. You have to love her. Yeah. I, I intend to be there. But either way, tell me about this uh, big event on Sunday night. So Sunday we're having uh, 530 at Ponte Vecchio in Bay Ridge. Everyone loves Ponte Vecchio. I love Ponte Vecchio. You, you've been there many, yes. many times. You Robbie know Sabah loves it there. Yeah. yeah. Ponte Vecchio is the best. So we're going to have a little nice two-hour shindig there. Uh you know, we're trying to entice people to to donate eighty dollars to to my campaign because why eighty dollars? Well, because that's just the number we thought would be feasible for you know, it's not too much, it's not right. too little, but right. we we have matching funds coming up, and uh, you know, for people who don't know about the campaign finance board, matching funds is eight to one. So let's say Sid lives in my district and he donates ten dollars. That's actually an eighty dollar donation, but you only pay ten dollars. That's gotcha. pretty much what I can say. Yeah. What What yeah. are you looking to raise in all? Is there a number you've got in mind? You don't want to talk about it? No, it's not. I don't want to talk about it. It's just no. a, it's the, the the cap is three fifty, three hundred fifty k. Right. That's with matching. So I mean, like you know, it, yeah. it could just not going to happen. No, so no, of course not. About it. It's never going to yeah. happen. No. Yeah. There's no. There's, <laughs> no. I'm not. I'm not Unless you ask Audi Idolater to check or something. There's a lot of wealthy people in Bay Ridge. I'll actually be on show tonight. Danny Fagliano's father. I think he actually passed away, Frank. But you're going to be on Audi's show tonight. I am. Yeah, it's six forty-five. I think so. That's what I was told. He works on the competition, of course. AM nine seventy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even mention it again. You'll be fired. I won't be allowed. No, I love Arthur. You know, I love Arthur. He's he's my attorney and my friend, and he's actually a pretty good radio talent too. On top of all of that, and he's a Bay Ridge guy, so he could help you. So tell me the latest about uh, about this race I, I went to see my my good buddy anthony because i buy my clothing including this beautiful jacket lovely thank you at the garage right which is in brooklyn right and on the way to anthony's place a couple of weeks ago me and my buddy tommy we passed ari kagan's office it's like right there yeah right no it's so funny because remember when, the, when i was here last time i told you there might be a guy named ari kagan running against justin yes. literally the next i would say monday you know, he, he's a he's a fugazi, right? And he has pictures of, of him and Justin Brennan. He's been endorsed by Chuck Schumer. He has the same leftist policies as Justin Brennan. He just basically, his district got erased in the redistricting, and now he wants to, he knows he, no one can win a primary against Justin Brennan. I'll give him that as a Democrat. He's got social media on lock. He has a cult. 
You're not beating him as a Democrat in the primary. Good luck. So Ari Kagan, he's like, oh, I'm just going to run as a Republican and pretend no one remembered that I was a Democrat. Right, right. How does that work? I don't know. I mean, uh, my own cousin, Norm Coleman, was a Democrat for most of his political career. He was mayor of St. Paul, Minnesota for eight years. He was a Democrat. And then I guess he maybe he changed his philosophies. Maybe he figured out it's an easier way to win. Let's not forget, for 66 years, Donald Trump was a Democrat. Right. Then he said, hey, I can beat Hillary Clinton. Now I'm going to be, I don't know, pro-life instead of pro-choice. So these guys do stuff like that all the time. If it's an easier path to victory. Right. Well, so when he came, I went to the Brooklyn GOP party, uh, Christmas party. He came. Nobody spoke to him. He was like the ugly duckling there. He's about Ari Kagan. Ari Kagan, yeah. yeah. He came. I don't know why. Uh, Ina Vernikoff tried to announce him as the new Republican. Yeah, I people know, weren't I know. people weren't yeah. having it. And I have yeah. nothing against Ina. You know, yeah. I like Ina. Actually, you want to support him, Joe Borelli? You want to support him? No problem. Yeah. But if uh, the if the the Republican Party is true Republican Party, and you're going to endorse Ari Kagan, just blow up the whole party. He may as well just blow it up. Yeah. Stick around for a couple of minutes. We're going to take a short break and come back with you. I've actually reached out. You know this. To Joe Borelli. I heard. Yes, in yeah. a Vernacorp, and I said, stop with the Kagan nonsense. Oh, I know, forget Endorsed it. my buddy Mike Ragusa, and they said, it's still early. We have not made an official endorsement yet, so you may still get those types of folks. We'll see. Mike Ragusa running for city council in Brooklyn. He's going to stick around. More of me, Sid Rosenberg, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Curtis Lee, we're coming up next. We'll talk to Joe Tacopino, Rudy Giuliani, Lee Zeldin, and a major surprise coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. If you're a baseball fan and a local baseball fan, you don't want to stay tuned. You're a baseball fan, right? I'm a baseball fan. Well, I'm a hockey guy, but my dad's been a lifelong Met fan. But you're a hockey mean, Ranger fan or a hockey fan? Yeah. I don't There's know the no team in New York, just the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Lou, Lou's a big Islander fan. He'll get mad. And Joe so, Nolan, my traffic guy's a big Devils fan. Uh, but Brooklyn is mostly Rangers. Most of New York, the five boroughs, is all, it's all know, Rangers. Even Long Island is mostly yeah, you're right about that. Um, I'm a diehard Ranger fan, too, yeah. so I'm right with it. In fact, I, I was there two nights ago. I root for the, Met, the Yankees, too. Like, obviously, the Mets never make the World Series, but right, you know, right. the Yankees do, because I'm a right. New York guy. You're a New care. York guy. Exactly. So, what is, so now that you're running against Ari Kagan in the primary, yeah. Um, is there any, has there been any conversation? Has he reached out to you? Has he said, listen, you know, it's you and I, but nope. anything like that? No. So I got a message from Mr. Ari Kagan. If you're listening, you're probably not listening, but, uh, he's, I just, I received a new year's gift from a friend of mine. He's trying to get dirt on my EMS career, but there is no dirt. So let me read my, um, achievements when I was an FDNY EMT, Ari Kagan, write it down. I have copies for you. So let's see. July, 2016 CPR save. 12-2016, letter of recognition from Chief Booth, former Chief Booth of EMS. 12-2017, another letter of recognition from former Chief Booth. 9-2019, unit of the month for single-handedly commanding wow. a whole medical branch at a fire 
in, in the financial district of Manhattan. Wow. So you want to find dirt yeah. on me. There it is. There's you know, they, I was going to say they could have used you on the football field Monday night, but the truth is they didn't need right. you because the Buffalo Bills guys did such an amazing job. And the reason why DeMar Hamlin is alive today is mm-hmm. more about them right. than the hospital in Cincinnati. Right. But you watch that whole thing unfold. What were you thinking? So, um, you know, th- there's, there's things that uh, I've seen that happen before. Like, so in Little League, when a kid takes a line drive to the chest, it throws off people's arrhythmia in their hearts. And right? they died from that. We've of seen course. little kids die on baseball fields, lacrosse yeah. fields, on Long Island specifically a lot. Right, right. yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the medical team did an excellent job shocking, um, the, shocking the player immediately. If you didn't, he might have had some brain damage. But from what I'm understanding, that he's pulling through. And we might see him on the I mean, not this year, obviously, but... He might return to football, which is great. I think he will. He's yeah. 24 years old. Uh, it's not If he was 35 and he played 10 years and suffered this injury, he'd be done. It's not like he's primed to be an announcer no, or he's no. going to do something else. No. He's in his second year out of college. Right. And this was a one-time fluke thing. If there's no real significant damage, I think Hamlin comes back and plays. I agree with you. Uh, so last time you were here, mm-hmm. forget about Ari Kagan for a second, <laughs> you and Brennan. We're yeah. going through some very serious stuff. Mm-hmm. You said something about um, his house. Right. And he got all furious. Yeah. It was a nasty back and forth. So are you now more worried about Brennan or Ari Kagan because that's your first battle in the primary? Let me correct you. I don't worry about anybody. Okay. Okay, I'm not worried all about right, you. All right, tough guy. Yeah, I'm not, not even, there he I'm is. Not Look at him. about being tough. Calm I'm just saying. Third Avenue. <laughs> I'm Brooklyn. I'm, I'm Bay not Ridge. worried about Justin Brennan. What pisses me off about Justin Brennan, actually, I'm going to defend Ari Kagan here for one second. Uh, they had a free ice skate at Apestock in Coney Island, right? I've, I've skated there many times. Me too. I played hockey there, whatever. So did Joe Takapino. Joe Takapino. There you go. So uh, Ari Kagan put this all together with other, you know, uh, politicians in his district. Justin Brennan had the balls to Photoshop his face over Ari Kagan's and change his name on the flyer That's funny. and put it out there <laughs> and say it was his idea. <laughs> Sit. <laughs> You're laughing, right? Come oh, on. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. wait, I confronted Justin on this on one of these uh, Facebook groups that his cult yeah. runs. Yeah. I'm like, and I said, Justin, why are you telling people you did this when this is the original fly. Oh, Abe Stark told me to put my name on it. Dude, uh, yeah. Abe Stark would never tell you to change a politician's name. Like, are you kidding me? This he, is what goes on in Brooklyn politics, huh? He I is mean, notorious. Like, like kindergarten. He's notorious for taking credit for other people's work. He's mm-hmm. just notorious. Even when he does even in Bay Ridge, when people call 301 to pick up garbage, like, you know, rats and this whole problem. Oh, that was my idea. That was my idea. But it was really mm-hmm. the citizens that are calling because he does nothing. Yeah. When is the actual primary? June. June this okay. year. Yeah. June of this year. Yeah, that's okay. Right. Yeah. And uh, so Sunday night is your big event. Yeah. Oh, also, I forgot John Tobacco's coming. Is he really? Yes, he is. And he's going to tape a segment for Newsmax, the Wise Guys? <laughs> no, no, no. That's no. nice that John he, Tobacco out no, of Staten is, Island is actually there for you. He's a very big, big Mike Ragusa fan. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so am I. So. I. I know you are. You're yeah. my number one fan. Number one. That's so right. you've got some important people behind you, mm-hmm. and hopefully that'll be enough to get by Kagan and then Brennan right, right. and then move on. Joe Pinion may make an appearance as well. I That's heard. another big-time guy yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. Joe Pinion took Chuck Schumer right down to the final round. He, listen. They called it very early for Chuck Schumer, but I got to give it to Joe. He gave him a fight. He did. It was very, very close. For a guy that never ran a politics. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he did very good. So on the way out, how do you really feel about this? The primary against Kagan, if you win that, the race against Brennan. I know you're a, you're a, you're a great kid, and you're a tough kid. You're a Brooklyn guy. You're never going to come out and say, I'm not all that confident. But your body language says to me, you're a little nervous. 
No, the only thing I'm nervous about is is the party back in Ari Kagan. Like I said, uh, when do you find out who the party bats? So they do their their interviews, like you know, in the next couple months. They basically bring every candidate in and they interview him, and then they decide who's they. Brooklyn GOP and the Conservative Party. Who, who runs the Brooklyn GOP? That'd be Ted Gora. Is he a good guy or a dick? Ted, Ted's a, no, he's he's a nice guy, man. Okay. You know, he's uh, very straight up. Yeah. He tells you like it is. He doesn't like you very much, does he? He's just a little upset that I started. <laughs> <laughs> he's a little upset that I started early. He's a little upset that I started early. Uh, he's a little upset that yeah. Mayor Giuliani already right. endorsed me. I'll talk to him. Yeah. What's his name? Ted what? Ted Gora. Get him on the phone, Phil. This uh, Ted Gora, this Brooklyn GOP guy. <laughs> Tell them to stop being a baby. <laughs> All right, so for folks who want to come on Sunday night, how do they find out more about this So event? you go to Ragu, the number 4NYC.com. Uh, you just donate $80, the flyer's there, and then you're on the list and you're partying with us. So on did Sunday you give him $80 yet today? Phil, do you have $80 in your pocket? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got money. Give it to Mike Raguso right now. <laughs> I, I'm going to get mugged on the way home. i got to save it for the muggers. Right, Just right. give it to me and you won't get mugged. <laughs> well, it's good to see you, pal. Good luck. I think Thanks. I'll see you Sunday I, night, I really so. hope so, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank You're you. doing great. And thank you. Obviously, until this thing is over, we're right with you here on the Sid Rosenberg Show. So thank you. Thank you. Mike Ragusa, folks. Check him out. Ragu for New York. Yeah, NYC.com. NYC.com. Yes. Next hour, Curtis Sliwa. Bill O'Reilly's morning message and the aforementioned Rudy Giuliani all stopping by. Hour number two coming up. Sitting friends in the morning. Only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Year of the Cat. This goes out to my next guest who's on this show twice a week because he's great. That's Curtis Sliwa, who has this ridiculous obsession of such an hit as a beautiful wife, Nancy, with these horrible cats, which is like the worst animal God ever created, this backstabbing creature. I can't even look at a cat in the face. I can't stand him. But I do love Curtis, and uh, he's here again uh, on this Friday morning. And before we are talking about your, your feral cats and rats and how you're... Um, you think you're getting underneath Eric Adams' skin, but you're not. We'll get to that. The uh, race in Queens, the Sullivan family, you know, I'm very close with. They really love you, too. They really do. And you've been out there for those people for a long time. And Tom Sullivan ran for assembly, and he won. The night of the election, he was up over 300 votes, went with over 98% of the precincts in. 
with no no explanation, they just stopped counting. And then for weeks and weeks and lawsuit after lawsuit, they kept finding votes for Stacey Amato. And finally, a couple of days ago, they said she won by 15 votes. Now, we know Donald Trump has been screaming rigged election. I think there was some some um, fagazi going on, but there's no proof that he lost the election because it was rigged. There's none. No, I say you call the assemblywoman. What what name did you call her by? A wretched wench. Yeah, but you called her Amato, right? Amato. She's a fifer. Oh, that's right. She's a fifer. But in the end, she stole this oh, election. Yeah. Is yep. there any doubt about it, Curtis? Oh, her mother stole it. I'll tell you why. Audrey Pfeiffer, the grand dame of the crooked Queens Democratic machine. She's eighty years old. She needs. She's like Biden, you know. <laughs> She can't find a way. She doesn't know the difference any longer between the Rockaways and Far Rockaway. But she's the county clerk. So what happened was there were 89 disputed ballots. These were absentee ballots that came in. And at well, What do you mean they came in? When did they find these ballots? No, no. The ballots came in normally. Normally, okay. Right. And both Republicans and Democrats looked at it. You and remember. they said they were incorrect, right? They weren't both, signed correctly. Both agreed that they, they were not a legal vote. Right. Wrong addresses, stuff like that, right, Curtis? Just, uh, not sealed, the whole nine yards. Right. Fugazi ballots. So all of a sudden, instead of accepting defeat and realizing that the monarchy was over, You know, Audrey Pfeiffer hands off the baton to her uh, daughter, and the lineage continues. Instead of uh, just acceding to the fact that Tom Sullivan, honorable man who had already run against Joe Adabo, whose father was a congressman, ran a great race. Every Democrat will tell you out in Queens County, there is no better man in politics, honorable, he never backstabs you, totally upfront and honest, and yet, they took his legs out from under him. Now, here, so you have Audrey Pfeiffer. She's the county clerk. She says, we're going to court. Now, wait a second, lady. You need to recuse yourself because you're in charge of all the judges, the state Supreme Court judges in Queens. They pick a judge. The judge goes, oh, no, I'll take a look at these mm, ballots. Of course. And by the way, you're talking about the mom, but wasn't Stacey Pfeiffer's father, who I think has since passed, wasn't he a judge? Uh that may well have been. He her, was a judge, her, yes. Her yes. present, but her present father, we'll call him stepfather, is the lobbyist for the state Supreme Court co- uh, officers. The oh guys, it's it, it, incestuous. <laughs> oh, my God. They, they, so here's the judge. He goes, no, I'm going to allow these ballots. I'm going to give each side an opportunity to go back and cure the ballots. That means find the people and get them to fix the ballot. Now, you know, somebody shows up, right? Gregory Meeks, the crooked congressman out there. Hey, uh, how'd you like a $1,000? How'd you like a free trip to uh, to Qatar right now that the World Cup is over? And and they bought these things. It was so blatantly obvious. And Tom Sullivan, to this day, never complained. Never complained. You know, he put out a couple of Facebook videos, Curtis. I'm sure you saw them. Yes. Instagram videos. Well, he said, look, we're going to keep fighting. The fight is not over. But unlike me... He never name-called her, no. never no. never complained. Once again, a guy that served in Kuwait, Afghanistan, and Iraq, a guy that literally dragged bodies out of the burning buildings on 9-11. He saved lives. That's all. That he's a great father. I see his son all the time who plays rugby at Alabama at the gym, and his wife is lovely. He never complained, to your point, and even now, 
clearly stolen the election. Clearly. He walks off like a man. And, like a man. By the way, you know, it's side by side with Lester Chang, how they tortured that veteran. But I think he's, he's still going to win Chang, right? Possibly. But remember, they did an inquisition, three hours cross-examining him about everything. They they used this uh, hitman, Stanley the Slime Schlein from the Bronx, <laughs> and they cast dispersions against him. Remember, his opponent, a guy named Abate Jr., had been in office for 36 years, right, a poster child uh, for term limits. And then a 9-11 commemoration. So naturally, Lester shows up in his naval white. And Peter Abate, in front of the whole crowd, goes, hey, Lester. I think it's kind of early to show up in your Halloween costume. He didn't say that. Yes, he did. No, he did. He said it. Everybody you know, heard it. Let me tell you it. something. Right then and there, he should have been disqualified. Oh, my God. A traitor. A now, notice how they tried to unseat him. First Asian-American ever uh, ever elected into, of, yeah. in, into yeah. office, state yeah. office. Yeah. And we've been battling for him every step I think he's going to hold on, though. But I just had Mike Ragusa in studio. Are you keeping a close eye on this Brooklyn council race for Justin Brennan and those folks? Of course. Brooklyn what do you voted thought? for me. South Brooklyn voted for me. So what are your thoughts on that race? You let the process play out. You get in there. It's just like I went in there with Mateo. By the way, whatever happened to your friend, Fernando Mateo? I crushed that Wait a second. My friend, he was furious with me. Oh, because what do you mean furious? Be- the last week of the campaign, this WABC became F- Fernando Mateo. Well, man. that's because he bitched and complained, and our, and our bosses actually succumbed. I didn't want to and do it that. It didn't matter, but, right? But I crushed him. Right. And the truth is, is that Bernard was like, well, I kind of like him. He was the taxi czar. I never did that. I was the guy that stuck by you, and Mateo got a little angry. Got a little angry. And now where is he? He's a pisher. He's a schmenger. <laughs> yeah, but, but wait a oh, second. he's having oh. dinner every week okay. with your very dear friend, Eric Adams, like a man I, with no plan. But I can say this. Yes. Fernando Mateo, yes. to this day, is butthurt and upset with you because you kicked his ass. Very similar to how you act every day on this station when it comes to the mayor. Oh, how dare Because you, you are clearly embarrassed and butthurt how dare the way you? Eric Adams how kicked d- your ass. How dare you? I just reached out in a spirit of bipartisanship. The mumbling and stumbling President Joe Biden was in West Virginia. Tried it a second time yesterday. Remember last time the inauguration? Bipartisanship. We need to come together. Kumbaya. I said, look, Eric's got a rat problem. He can't control it in the city. But worse yet, he's an absentee landlord in Brooklyn. He doesn't live there. His son doesn't live in the basement anymore. But people do live in the building. You know, they said the same thing about Lester Chang, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, but the point is, well, he, he doesn't. He, we know he lives in Fort Lee, apartment 22H, with his beard, Tracy, who, uh, again, did not show up for dinner. He promised you. No, no, she wasn't invited that night. Oh, that please, night was just on. me, Danielle, Gabe, and the mayor. We'll That's get into all. that momentarily. Oh, but anyway, Curtis. So- so I go on to the block, Lafayette Avenue, in the heart of Bed-Stuy, where there's a shrine to Spike Lee and the characters and Do the Right Thing, right on the corner. Oh, that's there. a great movie, though. Oh, yeah, it He's is. a racist and a no-good bastard, but yeah, that's a great movie. Hey, remember Danny Aiello, yes. the bug out? Yes, Hey, you want your African-American heroes? Get your own pizzeria. Right now, it's Italian. Duh. And you remember right. what happened. But that, yeah. that was the literal location yeah. Yeah. of uh, literally where the uh, do the right thing would be. So I go on the block, and I bring two cats, and I say, look, you've knocked yourself out. You've tried everything. He claims he spent $7,000 to get rid of rats. You mean he claims? 
Well, why do you? Why is it? Why can't you just say the mayor spent seven thousand well, dollars? Because why must you preface it with he claims as if he's lying? Uh, when has the mayor ever lied to you? Sid, hello. He, he lies hello? every day. He what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, what? What do you lie about? Are you kidding? The guy's still an enigma. Where the hell does he rest his head at night with Johnny Sweet Cheeks Petrosians right across the street from the United uh, Nations? The 90, Johnny Petrosian. 90 story tower that he had to admit in political. Yeah, I shack up with my bud there from time to time. By the way, congr- to- talking about political, congratulations. I just saw a uh, story yesterday to Frank Carone, the former chief of staff for my dear friend, the mayor, Eric Adams, and his brother, Anthony, on their new consulting business. Oh, the crooks. The crooked consulting business. No, 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 no the Carones, not the crooks. No, no, I know the Carones. You don't know the Carones like I oh, know I the Oh, I know Carones. very, very well. From Fine people. From the Thomas Jefferson Crooked I know, but Democratic they were from Canarsie. Now, of course, Anthony lives by me in Rockaway. Of course. Yes. I mean, why wouldn't he want to escape out to the Rockaways <laughs> like you did, like so many others, right? Next stop, Florida. We know it. It's a hop, skip, and a jump. But anyway. Well, he does have a place in Boca, but go ahead. I'm but sorry. I'm, go- I'm going to offer to your very dear friend, Frank Carone, who I've known has been crooked for years. He has a place of business, a building he owns. Again, he was cited for rat problems. I'll be more than happy to bring my cats over, meow, to Frank Carone and do what he is refusing to do. But let's get back. I'm on the block. Predominantly black, but some hipster and millennials. And so they say to us, Curtis, biggest problem here, we got garbage all over the street. True. Garbage all over the street. Worse than the rats is the garbage. Oh, absolutely. And they attract the rats. So I said, where's Sanitation Commissioner Tish? You know, past the gray poupon Tish, who comes from the family where she asked Jeeves to pick up paper on the floor when she was growing up. A second, is, is that the same family that owns the Giants? Yes, yes. And the hospitals? Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You, know, yeah. Pay, yeah. Pay. Oh, you talk to the men and women of the sanitation department. They say, this person, what does she know about sanitation? Anyway, they said, we've been calling sanitation department. They won't come. So what did, what, what did we do yesterday? We cleaned up the block. You did. Today, we're going to return. We're going to scrub, scrub the stoops and scrub the wow. sidewalks. Look at you. Like my grandmother, Nicoletta Bianchino, and a lot of our listeners' grandmothers would go out with the schmata <laughs> on their head, yeah. Jews, Gentiles. They'd be down on their hands and knees scrubbing because that helps eliminate the rats and mice. And then we got our two feral cats that we're putting right in front of uh, Eric Adams' uh, absentee landlord building. But here's your chance to be honest, Curtis, okay? This whole rat czar thing, while you are doing the mayor and the city a favor, I mean, it's kind of become a little bit of a, of a cartoon, but you really are doing the mayor and a city a favor on a serious note. But all this, all this for you is about getting one thing, which I think you'd be great at. I am here right now saying you'd be great at it and endorsing you. All this is about Curtis Sliwa making his way towards the commissioner of the New York Police Department. That would be great, but I got to climb the scale first. Okay, <laughs> I start. I got to make but, my but, bones. But, but isn't that your 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 goal? I mean, you oh, don't think on. Sewell does a very good job? Sewell, where is she? So She's you, missing you, in action. She oh, won't even move into the city after I a year. I understand. So you you really think you'd be a great NYPD commissioner? Why? Without a doubt. But I've why? Lived in the well, but what have you done? Streets. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I've done things that she could never dream of doing. By the way, where is she? Where? Hey, Sue, where are you? But I anyway. just saw her a couple nights ago. She was oh, at a big yeah, event. Yeah, sure. She well. gave, giving placards out, cutting ribbons. Real good job. <laughs> Let me tell you how I climbed the ladder. First, I start as Ratsaw because at this rate, the way Eric Adams, he says, I'm afraid of the rats. I'm intimidated every day. I, I, I see the rats and I can't function. 
I'm going to do them on solid because at this rate, we're going to end up with a black plague, a bubonic <laughs> plague, because when uh, Pope uh, Gregory, now everybody's there for the, uh, the wow. wake of the Pope. Pope Benedict died. Right. But yeah. Pope Gregory years ago issued an edict. Kill all the cats. Oh. He hated cats just like you. I hate cats, yes. Kill and you all know them. what happened? I love John Cats and Matitis, but I hate the animal. The he cat. killed all the cats. He had all the cats killed. And they ended up with the black plague, the bubonic plague, because oh, there was nobody there to take care of the rats. Is that right? Yes. We so you're going to bring, bring back a black and a bu- <laughs> bubonic plague. Come on, Sid. You're a genius. You are a no, genius. No, 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 How do you do it? I How do got, you do it? I got to get to work. I'm not there. <laughs> hey, Club Zero Bond and I, $5,000 customer. Mind suits and then hanging out with sweet cheeks Johnny Petrosians. Why don't you ask him? Why do you go into the uh, 90 story well, uh, Trump Tower across well, from the United Nations sure. every night? I, Eric Adams, you have Gracie Mansion. Yeah, uh, it's a crash pad, he says. <laughs> I like to hang out with my bud there, the felon, convicted felon Johnny Sweet Cheeks Petrosian. If he was a cop. He'd be drummed out. They'd ask him for his badge, and it's good. Come on, you know that, Sid. I don't know anything. I know, I, know, I know when you do stuff like this, this is the reason why you end up at a local hospital with six favor. bullets do me in your favor. stomach. Don't ever get into a hot tub if Eric Adams asks you to get in. What That's, are you talking about? Uh, with Johnny why would Sweet the mayor ask me to get into a hot tub? Hey, hey that's a hot tub. Well, hold on that. a second. What are you alleging now? No, no, no. Have you not alleged? First you called him a liar. Now you're calling him gay? No, no, no. No, he's a metrosexual. We know oh, that. Oh, a metrosexual. He's in love yeah. with himself. <laughs> then again, I'm looking at you, Sid. Birds of a feather flock together. What do they call that? We got to go. 12-15, folks. Don't get into the hot tub with Eric Adams and Sweet Cheeks Johnny Petrosians. You get this 12-15 every weekday afternoon. He really is spectacular all weekend long coming up. With my dear friend, the very entertaining Hall of Famer, and believe me when I tell you, the soon-to-be commissioner of the NYPD, Meow. and now the rat czar, Curtis Sleva. And he can't welch on that. He said I was the rat czar. No, you and got it. Pay. He can't welch on he that, He won't Sid. welch, I promise. You got it. That's your gig. Craig Eaton, Joe Tacopina, Rudy Giuliani, and the Bill O'Reilly morning message all coming up this hour. Keep it right here. That's great, Curtis. Great job. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Friday, you know the company U-Haul, where you rent a truck, throw your gear in it, and drive anywhere you want? Well, it has put out a survey about people moving out of certain states. And New York and California are leading the league in people leaving. This is according, again, to U-Haul. Now, these are not affluent people. If you're affluent, you get a big mover to come in and take all your stuff and put in a big truck, allied van lines, whatever it may be, and then you go. They also keep track, and they say California and New York are the most exited states, Illinois as well, proportionally. But it's no shock that people are leaving the large tax states. As I've been saying on the No Spin News, which runs uh, on 100 radio stations and television every night, the federal government and the states are disrespecting American workers by taxing them up to their eyebrows and then wasting much of the tax money. $3 million for a jogging path named after Michelle Obama in Georgia? 
No. No. So, Americans, many of them are going, I'm not staying in this state when I'm getting hosed. I'm going to go to Texas or Florida or Tennessee or a low-tax state because I can work from home or whatever it may be. And you're going to see that accelerate as Americans live paycheck to paycheck. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. From the great movie about last night, this scene, never forget it, a naked and young Demi Moore walks into the kitchen with the moonlight, and Rob Lowe follows her in. And this song comes on, Bob Seger, and then all hell breaks loose and they break up, just to make up at the very end about last night. 727 on your Friday morning, been a great show already, Mike Ragusa. Running for city council in Brooklyn was live in studio. Curtis Sliwa, who's just amazing on this show twice a week. He's great. He really is great. He was live in studio. Still to come, Joe Tacopina, Rudy Giuliani, Lee Zeldin, and a huge baseball surprise coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. But uh, Craig Eaton is a guy that's on with John Katsimatidis, if not every weekday afternoon, most weekday afternoons. Great guy, terrific lawyer. Also... A Brooklyn guy, and I believe a Bay Ridge guy, talking about Mike Ragusa. And uh, he reached out to me and wanted to hop on the show this morning. So here he is from Cat Tonight, my friend Craig Eaton. Craig, Happy New Year, pal. How are you? Shit, Happy New Year first to you and Chad and Emily and your beautiful wife and the great John and Margot Katsimatidis. I'm calling you guys from Aruba this morning. Uh, really? I've been here for a week. Yeah. So you've been listening. Uh, you actually, I actually mentioned you at the start of the show, and you texted me right away. So you've been listening from Aruba all morning long? I, I do a seven-mile walk, jog and walk, every morning. I start out at 7, which is 6 o'clock your time, and I listen every morning. It's uh, Awesome. It gets, it, it, what keep me, it keeps me going. But uh, that <laughs> movie you. you discussed earlier was amazing. Rob Lowe movie, one of the fav- one of my favorite movies <laughs> of all time. But uh, I had a call in because I, I saw what was going on with you and a lot of you are listeners about the Eric Adams issue. And you know what? You know, John Katzimatidis and I and all the co-hosts uh, from 5 to 6 every night, we've always been, you know, big supporters of Eric Adams. And, and we always said that you have to give him a break. You have to let him 
have some time to correct it. I mean, we had eight years of a failed mayoralty, and it's not going to happen overnight. No, no, but let me stop you for a second. I'm glad you said that because the amount of morons, and they're morons, who go on my social media and call him a failed mayor when he has served at this point 25%, one out of – now, listen, if things are exactly the same next year, two years – Exactly. Yeah. But you want to know something? If things are exactly the same two years from now, then go out and vote. Tell all the people that are screaming and yelling at you, did you vote in the election? Because, you know, 23 percent of the people in the city of New York came out to vote in the last election in 2020. Only 23 percent, which means 77 percent of people sat home on Election Day. And those 77 people are the ones that are complaining. So, you know what? Look, I know Eric. I was the chairman of Community Board 10 in Brooklyn. I was the Republican chairman. I worked with him for many, many years. Look, no one's perfect. But he works 24-7. You have to go out and eat. You have to go out and enjoy yourself. You have to have some enjoyment in life. But he works hard. But you know what? It's still one year. And you know what? I think you supporting him and everyone else supporting him, he's our mayor. We have to stop the vitriol against Republicans versus Democrats, Democrats versus Republicans. We're all New York City residents, and that's the most important thing. I mean, and I, see, me— and this is what my listeners should know better is I don't agree with that. I don't support everybody. I despise the governor. There will never come a day when I invite Kathy Hochul on this program. I despise no, I agree. her. I agree. And I hate the president, too. But with Eric Adams, if you're really yeah. paying attention, he does want to improve things. He does have a lot of Republican views as well as Democrat views. And I want this city to thrive. So I'm not willing to give every, every Democrat the benefit of the doubt. I hate him. But Eric Adams is different. I agree with you. I just wanted to touch on the Ragusa thing for a second. I mean, Mike is a great candidate. He really is a great candidate. The whole thing with Ari Kagan is, you know, just like we need to close our borders in the United States, the Brooklyn GOP needs to close its borders to Democrats running on their line, renting their line, and just crossing over so that they can avoid a primary with another Democrat. Alec Brooke Krasny, nice guy. I know Alec a long, long time. That's what he did. He didn't want to face a primary. Became a Republican, ran on the Republican line, and won, which is good. We have another Republican in the state assembly. But Ari Kagan is doing the same thing now. We have to run our own people. We need to build a farm team. When I was the chairman for 10 years, we had young people that used to run all the time. We don't have that anymore. We just take the easy way out, and it's got to stop. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Well said. And uh, that's why I continue to endorse Mike Ragusa, have no interest in Ari Kagan, certainly don't like Justin Brennan, but you're right, and you got to build a farm team. Look, all those great teams that won World Series for Joe Torre, and they got a lot of good players along the way, from Tino Martinez to Roger Clemens, but it all started with Bernie Williams, Derek Jeter, Andy Pettit, and Mariano Rivera, homegrown kids. Politics, to your point, Craig Eaton, works exactly the same way. God bless you, Sid, for all that you do. God bless your family. Have a happy and healthy New Year, my too. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. That's Craig Eaton, folks. That's a very, very smart guy. Does a great job alongside John Katz and Matides. Weekday afternoons on Katz at night. He's a great lawyer, too. Great lawyer. And he's a, a Brooklyn guy, a Bay Ridge guy. So we love Craig Eaton. Craig, thank you for that. The guy's an expert on everything. No matter what we do, all of a sudden, y'all say, okay, let me let me find someone to critique Eric Adams. You talk to everybody, and everybody says, no, we think Eric did the right thing. Oh!
That's Eric Adams talking about Bill de Blasio, the mayor. In fact, it was um, Wednesday, I guess, when me, my wife, and son had dinner with the mayor. And then I joined the mayor in feeding the homeless in New York City on Wednesday night. And at dinner, he talked about de Blasio. And he said, you know, Sid, he said, everybody else has reached out to me. He even mentioned Woody Giuliani. Now, people know, of course, I've been trying for weeks to set up this dinner, which Adams has agreed to do, and so has Rudy. It hasn't happened yet, but once again, Adams reassured me on Wednesday it's going to happen. And he mentioned Rudy Giuliani in his de Blasio rant just a couple of days ago. But that said, here he is, the greatest mayor in the history of New York, and now a superstar. 3 p.m. every weekday afternoon, right here on WABC, my dear friend, the great Rudy Giuliani. Good morning, Rudy. How are you, pal? I'm very, very good. How are you, Sid? I'm doing great. I, I got, uh, uh, Mayor Adams and I have something that we definitely agree on. But I think every New Yorker agrees on this. The Blasio was the worst mayor in the history of the <laughs> And so that, I think the kid probably isn't in, in the best taste because he's dead now. But I used to say David Dinkins said, thank God for the Blasio. <laughs> They were both awful, and you're right. God bless David Dinkins. He was a horrible mayor. <laughs> horrible. But but, but were you surprised when you heard Eric Adams mention your names, mention your name, I should say, in the yeah, Bill de Blasio rant? I thought it was, uh, you know, he. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of anathema to the Democrat Party, so for him to mention that I reached out to offer help, as well as a number of people in my administration— but uh, he was really just uh, reflecting something that's quite common. I mean, I, I, I was offered help, obviously, by Dinkins, by Koch, uh, by John Lindsay. I had lunch with John Lindsay several times. He even became his friend. And we became friends. Uh, and Lindsay was a Democrat who, at that point, who, who opposed me and, and supported uh, David Dinkins. But uh, – and I, and I, I – I can't tell you he was like a model for me as mayor. He was very liberal. He was very different than I was. But there were things I could learn from him about management, about uh, how to keep on top of the agencies. Uh, look, very few people have done the job of mayor, right? So even if even if you have one that hasn't done a good job, you know, talk to him and find out what happened. You can learn from that. For de Blasio not to reach out and also for him to be – out of it so much not to realize the terrible situation he left Adams in. I mean, the guy should go to Adams and apologize. <laughs> I mean, sorry, I'm sorry I screwed up so much. I just was up to So wait a second, but, 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 but this sounds to me, uh, for Rudy Giuliani, and I know Eric Adams had said some things about you that weren't nice, and I blasted him for that. I did, and you guys have kind of gone back and forth, but it almost sounds to me like Rudy Giuliani is almost sympathetic to Mayor Adams in this case? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think I would think any mayor would be. I mean, look, he would, I, I can't think of somebody, whoever takes over for Biden is going to have this problem. This is, a, this is an unusual problem. Usually you get a, a I got a city that was in, uh, in terrible shape, but everything uh, ha- that happened was things that you could handle, and it didn't have to do with the craziness. The stuff that he got, the city, de Blasio was, 
uh, completely incompetent, 100 percent incompetent. It wasn't a question of just ideological uh, uh, craziness. You can straighten that out. You just put in the other ideology. The guy was totally incompetent. I can't imagine what he found when he got there. Uh, agencies completely disorganized. Agencies that have had meetings for a year, two years, records that weren't kept. When they when they investigated his wife for taking all that money, the answer to it was it wasn't account. They they had no accountability system. What kind of answer is that? To, you know, <laughs> million dollars. A billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. And they come and they want to know what I did with it, and I'd say, oh, it's not accountable. I don't know. Yeah, Adam, it, it is crazy. Adam, Adam, Adams has every right to be yeah. upset. So are you, listen, I have this argument all the time with people. People say to me, when I go, look, you got to give Adams some time. He's now been in office one year. To call Eric Adams a failed mayor is stupid. Now, if the city is in the same shape two years from now, three years from now, yes. But right now, one quarter of the way into his job, he's not a failed mayor yet. And I say, and by the way, he has the most difficult job ever. And they go, no, no, no. Rudy Giuliani had a tougher job. Are you telling me that you think the city is in worse shape now than when you took over? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and some the statistics were much worse. My statistics were much worse. So you could make the case I had a much tougher job. I had much more crime. I had much more welfare. I had a much bigger deficit. Uh, the city as a... Uh, the way the city's in worse shape, the city as a functioning organization was decimated by uh, de Blasio. You can't measure that in numbers. I mean, his numbers only got bad at the end because, in his case, Bloomberg left him with a good city. I mean, he his first couple of years, he was living off Bloomberg. He completely disregarded all the agencies of the city. It would be like a business that's gone into disrepair. So when I took over, I had a better functioning organization with much bigger problems. He's taking over with very serious problems, maybe not as great as mine, but a much less uh, functioning organization, an organization that's really yeah. been devastated by an incompetent manager. You know, people forget the city really is in some ways a business, right? It has 50 agencies. It has almost 400,000 employees. If you're a terrible manager, you can do terrible damage to it. That takes years to fix. If, if what you do is change a policy, I can change that. But to get into those agencies and fix them, that, that takes a while. So, and, and so, so, right, so with all the criticism you've leveled against Adams, and all of it fair, I'm the first to say it, and I'm starting to like Eric, but all of it fair – would you say now that uh, he's not a failed mayor yet? You've got to give him some time. It's a very difficult job. And he may be, just maybe, the right guy for the job. Maybe. Yeah, 100%. I, I've never said he was a failed mayor. I said uh, that the statistics are against him. He has not proven that he was going to do what he said he was going to do yet. Yet. And I expected him to get off to a better start. But uh, one year job doesn't tell you what kind of a mayor he was, either from the point of view of performance or even political popularity. I mean, at this point in my being mayor, nobody thought I'd be reelected. And it largely was uh, 
things hadn't changed yet. I was a Republican. Uh, they had expected big, big changes. We had them, but they didn't believe them. We had like a 20, 30 percent reduction in crime. Uh, I think they thought I made it up. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't until they started to feel it in their communities. Yeah, yeah. When people would go out and the homeless people weren't there anymore. And then they would write to the newspapers, homeless people aren't there. I remember what I thought of it was a small turning point. A, a, a man who, who graduated from Columbia University said that years before he had vowed never to send his daughter to Columbia, uh, probably when Koch was mayor or whatever, because the city was so dangerous. He said he came to the city for a visit. It's totally different under Giuliani. Wow. He decided to send his daughter there, and he never made a better decision. Wow, that's big. Yeah, that would be a very big. I'm going to put you on hold for two seconds. Don't go anywhere. That was a fascinating conversation with the great Rudy Giuliani about Mayor Eric Adams. But, Rudy, stay there for a minute or two. I'm going to bring you right back. Lots more to discuss, including Rudy back in the papers again today. More of this fascinating conversation with the greatest mayor in the history of New York City, my friend Rudy Giuliani, right after this. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Right back there on Sid and Friends, continue our conversation with the greatest mayor in New York City and now a star, 3 o'clock every weekday afternoon here on WABC, and a guy I'm proud to call a friend and his son, Andrew Rudy Giuliani. So, Rudy, uh, you were on a couple of times ago. I said, listen, now that you're kind of, I guess you're connected to Donald Trump, I'm, I'm just about bound to read about you every day in the paper. There's going to be something else about Rudy Giuliani, something he didn't do or didn't say because... Now you're forever infected, if you will. And uh, sure enough, when you pick up today's New York Post, there's a story about some lady who has said some really nasty stuff about you. I read it. I didn't believe any of it. Not any of it. But it's out there. You know, you you shouldn't believe it. Uh, I knew the woman. I stopped seeing her when I found out that she had a history of shaking men down. She got a million dollars from one guy that she shook down, who is a very prominent guy who, who paid her off to go away. She sued another husband for similar charges. She sued two other boyfriends, and she's permanently excluded from the Breakers Hotel for what you can imagine. And I didn't know that. I thought she was a poor thing that needed help. Uh, Bernie Carrick uh, had talked to her about helping her with a case. She made the mistake of showing me her files after about three or four weeks, uh, maybe six weeks. I don't remember. When I saw it, I said, oh, my God, we got a real problem here. And I uh, separated from her. She never worked for my firm. That's a complete lie. You can look at the records. And The woman is a professional uh, at shaking men down. And there's an article from her ex-husband explaining all this, if you ever want to see it. I believe it. I read this stuff, and I'm like, okay, let's just move past it. But I had to bring it up. But let's move past it. It's nonsense. Shakedown. Shakedown artist, yeah. 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 Uh, let me ask you about uh, Kevin McCarthy, Rudy. Uh, it looks like there was some type of deal late last night, a letter where people like Matt Gates and Lauren Borbert and these people, I guess, are finally going to agree to allow him to take that position. Uh, a guy like George Napolitano on this show yesterday said, listen, I agree with the Gateses of the world. He's not the right guy. I disagree. I think he should be the guy. What do you think? 
I'm about where you are, uh, 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 Bernie. I, 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 there are a couple. If I got my choice, the couple I prefer better. There's almost always, except with Trump and Reagan, somebody I prefer better for president. You know, when when I when I selected a president or whatever, or voted. Uh, but I think uh, I go a lot by Jim Jordan's recommendation. I know Jim, got to know him really well. He's the real thing. And if Jim Jordan tells me he's going to be a good speaker, Jim has the, the, the good of the republic in his heart, not just the party or anything else. So I see him supporting him. I, I uh, had an hour and a half conversation with the president the other day, went over to see him. He's comfortable with him. Uh, we're aware of the fact that in the past he was with Ryan. and But I think he understood the mistakes of that. Plus, they've got – they can get rid of him. Right, right. That's I, it. I mean, I don't want to put a guy in there with the thought we're going to get rid of him. I don't think we are. I think you're right. I think he'll be successful. But I don't know what they're so worried about. They got him – they got him tied up more than any speaker I've ever heard of. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, you just said that uh, you spent about 90 minutes with the president a couple of days ago, and he had a brutal – Rudy, a brutal month of December. I mean, one oh. mistake after another. But he's been very quiet, which I think is good. It's a good thing since the holidays. What's he? Uh, what's he planning next? Well, of course, I'm not going to tell you. The, 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 <laughs> no, you, you'll call me after the show that. and tell me privately. Yes. <laughs> that, are, that are confidential. I never have. I've never broken my confidence with him once, and I'm very proud of that. When he was surrounded by a bunch of rats, who? Uh, oh my God! The people around him. Probably over his worst mistake. I went back and read the transcript of January 6th. First of all, I know that situation very, very uh, briefly because I wasn't heavily involved in it, as a court found. A court let me out of the case because I wasn't involved in it. But I know these people are lying. When, when they say that Mark Meadows, that woman who testified, when she says that Mark Meadows was burning papers in the White House, yeah. I say, how could you, as a member of Congress, not sit there and laugh? If I burned a paper in the White House, the Secret Service agent, smelling the smoke, would come in and pull me out and put me in jail. You can't burn paper in the White House. Are you crazy? <laughs> Are you fine? He, like, every day he's burning paper in the White House. Uh, the president wouldn't even have to deal with that. The head of the Secret Service would come and see the president and said, you got to get rid of this crazy guy at Meadows who's burning papers every day. Right, right. Uh, yeah, it's fun- she said, I know because she also testified to a conversation with me inviting her to come on January 6th. And I wasn't even invited at that point. I didn't even know about it. <laughs> I didn't even know about it. I couldn't have invited her. And I don't ever, ever remember talking to her. Wow. Well, so, uh, it's, it's ironic you bring all that up because today happens to be January 6th, and today happens to be the two-year anniversary of the most exaggerated day in the history of American politics. Is it fair to say that? It's fair to say that, and the unresolved murder of Ashley Babbitt. be nice if somebody looked into that instead of yelling and screaming <laughs> about five cops who died, not one died that day. How about Ashley Babbitt? She was an innocent, I mean, innocent woman as far as we know. We don't know that she even broke in. She could have been invited in. Half of them were. Number two, she's a veteran who served our country. She's entitled to something for that. She's a five-foot-two woman who was unarmed, and the officer who killed her never yelled at her, said anything to her. Nope. Meanwhile, he had cops around that could easily have handcuffed her instead of shot her in the brain and killed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Rudy. That's a hell of a, a, hell of a case. 
I know. You are. You're always great. Thank you for coming by this morning. and spend, I love you, Rudy. Thank you so much. God bless you. Let's you too. There he is, the great mayor. Check him out 3 o'clock this afternoon, every weekday afternoon. Right after Greg Kelly here on WABC, the great Rudy Giuliani. Still a lot more to come, including Joe Tacopina on the latest in Idaho. More news yesterday. Lydia Serrani, Lee Zeldin. What's his thoughts on Kevin McCarthy? Did he want that job? And a huge baseball surprise coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. You've got to keep it right here. Sitting friends in the morning. Only on Talk Radio 77, WABC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. The I Man. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Lou, this song doesn't give you, like, um, the cold sweats. This, of course, is how the I'm in the Morning Show started for many years with this great Rush song, Tom Sawyer. Now I got it. Yeah, that's how the show started with this song. You forgot about that already, uh, no, huh? Yeah. I, it, it only took two, two years of therapy, and I got it. <laughs> right. Now it's great yeah. to be back. Thanks. I think I'm going back to uh, the Rockaways this weekend. I'm set to go back tomorrow, but the house is still... <laughs> they found more stuff yesterday. You can't make it up. You can't make it up. I don't know how I'm going to live there. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the bedrooms are intact, but the walls and the floors and the kitchen... And the bathrooms, it's all going away. But you haven't seen it yet, right? Danielle's been there twice. I have not seen it. I'm scared to death. I mean, I'm on the phone with the insurance guy, the adjuster, all these guys all the time. But I haven't seen it. But it's gotten to the point where one of the adjusters, Mike Butler, said to me, you may want to at least check out staying in the city for another week. If not, if not, getting an apartment in the city for a couple of months. I was told yesterday this could be a four to six month improvement. Oh, okay. That's all. Now, the good news is after six months, we have the nicest house in Rockaway. Ready for summer. Exactly. Bad news is the next four months, what a mess. So any of the neighbors in trouble there on your block? No, I'm the only one. You're the only one. The only one whose pipes froze and burst. Yep. It's an anti-Semitic storm. No question. Attack wow. the Jews. That's what Dolph Hyken said. He said the same thing. So. Said <laughs> this is unbelievable. Yeah. My God, I live in the city. I mean, it's bringing back some bad memories. In fact, I was walking from the gym last night about 530. I work out at the gym on 40th and 3rd. I'm walking from the gym back to my hotel. 
and I literally bump into literally Chris Cuomo. <laughs> you know, you know how that must have gone. I'm not a huge fan of Chris, but he was very nice. He was very nice, but <laughs> I didn't realize that the um, the News Nation studios where he works now are right here on 42nd and 3rd, right here, right by these offices. So I guess he was going to work or doing something. I don't know. You should invite him to stay at your place now for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, I don't make a habit of bringing back guests, even the best ones, two days in a row. But this guy is a great guest, a friend of 42 years. And with the news that we saw yesterday, he's got to come back, and that is the release of the affidavit in the Idaho killings. I was just watching uh, Kaylee's father, Steve, on CNN. She's one of the four victims. Now they've, they've got DNA from the suspect. And uh, he seemed relieved that they've got the right guy. Joe Tacopina is the best defense attorney in the country, if not the world. And he's here now to talk more about this case. Joe, the affidavit is out there. Your thoughts on the Idaho killer? Now we know. (laughs) 24 hours ago, I said to you, Sid, listen, let's not jump to conclusions. You know, we don't really know anything about why they think he's the murderer. Let's wait and see. Now we know. I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, it's a they, they, law enforcement did a great job here, both the local PD and FBI, because they, they joined hands here and, and came up with a treasure trove of evidence. I mean, you have DNA evidence in this case, which is, for the most part, the the kneecapper, the game set and match evidence, right? You have um, you have video footage of the car, his car in the area um, right before the the killings, speeding away right after the killings, heading in the direction of uh, Washington State University, where it's then captured subsequently at the same time it would have taken to get back from Moscow to, to Pullman, um, you know, parking that car. I mean, it, it's it's ironclad. You have cell phone records, by the way, which clearly he shut his cell phone off and put on airplane mode right before the killings and then turned it on right after the killings. Problem is his phone pinged in Moscow, Idaho, um, as he was leaving the crime scene and showed up again in, in, in Pullman at Washington State University. Um, and then, of course, you, you know, they searched his, his, uh, his parents' garbage, found enough there to, get some, to conduct DNA analysis in, in the state lab in Idaho and found a match between the DNA and the sheath, the knife sheath that they recovered at the scene, not to mention this creep came back to the murder scene at 9 o'clock that morning as per his cell phone ping at that, literally at the apartment's location. So, you know, yesterday I was hesitant to jump to those conclusions. Now I'm ready to go. Yeah, he's, he's definitely the guy. So uh, we still have no idea. I know that he was a uh, criminal history major. Some people think maybe he wanted to carry out the crime to feel what it's like, all the work he's been studying. I don't think, as far as I know, there was any personal attachment between this creep and any one of those four innocent victims. Do you know anything more about that today? No. No, no. So there's not. I don't think there's no evidence of that whatsoever. These were. I'm, I'm sure these are just innocent people. But don't forget, the cell phone evidence in this case also showed that this, this, this animal went to that house months before the murder. Twelve times in the months before the murders, in, in the middle of the night, late evening, early morning hours. So he, but he know, was, but, but, but he was basically he was, ca- he was casing the place. He wasn't going to. He didn't know anybody there. He's casing it. Correct. It looked, it looked like he was just stalking the, the, the location. Um, he identified four students. I mean, look, 
I, I mean, the notion that he would do this to see what it's like, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. Right. Um, so, so he's just a killer. He's just a killer. And, and look, who knows what else they're going to find in this guy's background. Uh, you know, he may have, may have done something like this before because this isn't something you wake up on a Tuesday morning and say, ah, let me go bludgeon four people to death and, you know, um, that I don't even know for no reason, no apparent reason anyway. Don't forget, motive is not an element of the crime. But, you know, sometimes you like to tie up the story. Right. But but then again, as you know, as an attorney, Joseph, and he didn't bludgeon these people. He stabbed them and bludgeoned them. But, um, uh, you know, there is a first time. So, yes, you would think uh, four people is a bit much for a first-time killer. But every killer has a first time. So it's not out of the question that Absolutely. this guy did it for the first time. Absolutely. Well, whether he did it for the first time or the tenth time, this case here, these four individuals were, were slaughtered by this individual without question. He's his all over the crime scene. And don't forget, then you have a live eyewitness who made eye contact with him. Right. You know, he was, his right. nose and mouth were covered. Yep. But she described pretty well the rest of his appearance. Um, I think that package together is an ironclad piece. So, you know, I don't know what he's going to say. No, you know, and I bring this up all the time because my beautiful wife, Danielle, is a very, very fine defense attorney. Doesn't have the accolades you've got, obviously, but she's very good. Arthur Idalis, a dear friend of mine, he's a terrific attorney. You're my best friend for 42 years. You're the best in the business. And this guy would have to call one of you three, whether it's a legal aid person or a high-priced attorney like you, and somebody out there is going to defend this guy in court somewhere. But you told me before, Joe, that there are cases. There are cases where you would actually say, no, thank you, I draw the line. But to think that one of your folks, your colleagues, will have to defend this guy, kind of rough, huh? It's rough, but it's it's right, Sid, because the system collapses if we don't have people representing right. this guy. I mean, don't forget, let me always go back to Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell, the Olympic bomber in the 80s. Remember, that guy was the most convicted yep. human being in the world. He was. No one would touch him. No one would represent him. They used to laugh at his unablubber, they called him, because he was heavy. Um, they destroyed that guy's life. He was purely innocent. There was not a human being in the United States of America who thought that he was not guilty. And he was presumed guilty, and he was innocent. I'm not. This is not the case here. Let me be clear. That being said, people have to represent even the guiltiest of us because the system has to be kept in check. And if the system works, he'll be convicted and spend the rest of his life in jail or be put to death. Well, uh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Listen, I know we've got the best system in the world, and who knows better than you? You practice in, in, in Rome, in Europe. But the system doesn't always work. You can talk to your face turns blue. You're not going to convince me that O.J. Simpson didn't kill those two people. And by the way, I still think some of those kids in the Central Park Five were guilty of that rape that night in Central Park. So the system doesn't always work. Not always. Of course not. It's it's, it's based on, on human error, right? There's human the human error element is in the system. Um, so there's no question. Yeah, O.J. Simpson is, is, is as guilty as anyone, right? No question about that. But the, the cops in that case open the door for an acquittal. And honestly, when cops start lying and, and committing perjury and planting evidence, which was ha- proven in that case, even a guilty person deserves... Uh, oh, listen, uh, you're right, and Johnny Cochran did an amazing job of changing that case from a double homicide as to whether or not Mark Furman was a racist, but it wasn't even that. He won that day because there was a couple of colored folks on the jury. Let's be honest. Yeah, but there was more than a couple. Um, yeah, exactly. You know what it was. <laughs> exactly. This is a much deeper conversation, but <laughs> those colored folks had seen police activity like that. Mark Furman was the, the poster child for what a, a racist police officer was and is and shouldn't be on the force. He gave them that case. Um, listen, I agree with you, Sid. The, the system is not perfect. doesn't always work. Um, but, but it's the 
the best system in the world. And honestly, I said this to someone yesterday at Harvard when I was, was teaching law school when I was asked this question. You know, it's better that one innocent person, purely innocent person, goes free than 10 guilty people, um, you, you know, get don't get convicted. And, and to me, that's important. We have to remember because there's nothing worse than a human being who's done nothing wrong spend their life in jail, be shredded from their families and, and have their family destroyed. So, you know, it's a system that... I disagree with that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just not so, I understand. So I disagree. So Sid, I'm so, so, Joe, Joe, that's my father. I in a hypothetical. If, if, if the no, I know, but, but, the, but, but listen, but it, it's, a, it's a case of numbers. Look, if it's my son or my father, you bet I'm screaming uh, in the rafters. But I would much rather 10 of 11 go away because the greater number makes, up, makes us a safer society than the one poor bastard who is actually innocent. I mean, I'm sorry. That's just yeah, a fact. I'm not willing to sacrifice a human life of a, someone who's done absolutely nothing wrong. Um, for 10 other people. I'm just not Casualties of war, that's Joseph. A, that's a, Casualties yep, of war. Yep. <laughs> okay. Unless it's you or your family. Right. Different story, of course. But for the greater good, yeah. every once in a while, if some innocent guy has to go away so 10 animals aren't killing us on the streets, that's just the way it works. Don't worry. Those 10 animals, if they are animals, will be back for round two. And, and unfortunately, Sid, that's our system. It's yeah. not science. It's not a computer-based system. It's yep. a human error system where there is you know, people have to do things the right way. Right. Look, that's why we have the Constitution. It protects all of us, even even the worst among us, but it certainly protects the people who haven't done anything wrong and, and, and have to be proven guilty before we put lots of people No, I, I agree. I agree. 60 seconds to go, Joe Dacapina. Now that we've seen the affidavit, now that the DNA links this guy to the murderers, what happens next? Now they have, will have a preliminary hearing, uh, you know, He's had these investigators running around, in my opinion, at this point, before the affidavit was released, having investigators there. It was an investigator trying to get himself in the press. No question about that, because I don't know what you're investigating without knowing what it is you're looking for. Um, but what's next is they'll start the slow path to a conviction. The prosecutors have to decide now whether it's going to be a death penalty case or, you know, a life case. Um, but so that that's the next step. But now that we all know, that, you know what we've been waiting for, um, it, it's, it's clear that this is going to be a, a guilty verdict slash plea at some point down the road. Got it. Hey, uh, thank you for coming back two days in a row. You're always great. I love you to pieces. And uh, keep up the good work, Joe Takapina. Thank you so much. Have a great okay, weekend. Brother. All right. Love there you. he is, folks. My main man for 42 years, uh, famed defense attorney Joe Takapina. Still lots more to come. Lydia Serrano is always terrific. Lydia Reports is coming up next. Then we'll talk to Lee Zeldin if that Kevin McCarthy deal is not in place overnight. Maybe Lee wants it. Why not? RNC, chair, speaker of the house, lots of things Lee Zeldin can do. We'll talk to Lee Zeldin coming up at 840. And then the big baseball surprise coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Sitting friends in the morning on a Friday morning. Only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC is coming back with Lydia Reports right after this. Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Sid, the race for the White House is already getting more crowded. Former Ambassador John Bolton now announcing Stop. that he will be running <laughs> against Donald Trump. Stupid. That's, I mean, come on. You, Bolton.
He served as Trump's national security advisor from 2018 to 2019, mm. and will campaign on being tougher on Russia and China. Right? No, no, he's serious. He, this is not some kind of vanity run. No, no, he is running, but um, of course he stabbed Trump in the back. Look, look, there will be a lot of names before it's said and done. Maybe, like you said, Bolton's announcing today. Maybe you get Christy Noel. Maybe you get Tim Scott. Don't confuse the issue. It is a two-man race. I don't care if there's 20 people. Don't forget when Donald Trump won in 2016, he had to vanquish 16 other people, including some big names back then, Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio. This is a two-man race. Trump, DeSantis. That's it. Mm, That's very it. interesting. No Did one you... else can compete. So Nobody. Let's take a listen to hear what, uh, what Bolton said, though. What would a John Bolton it? America look like? if you were commander-in-chief. I would get in to win the nomination, and I would do it uh, primarily on the basis that we need a much stronger foreign policy. I think Trump's support within the party itself uh, is in terminal decline. What would you say to your critics who will obviously watch this interview and they will say, okay, listen, John, you simply don't have the experience. Well, I wouldn't run as a vanity candidate. Uh, if, if I didn't think I could run seriously, then, then I wouldn't get in the race. You know, listen, um, so. he, 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 he's lying. He knows he's got zero chance. I mean, look, when Bill de Blasio ran for president, he knew. When Michael Bloomberg ran, he knew. Bolton knows the same thing. They just want a little bit of the press. They want a little bit of attention. But as a candidate, John Bolton, joke, joke. With you, but I—I th- I mean, I don't know if he's a joke, but I—I I disagree joke. with one thing. I think De Blasio, and I think uh, Bloomberg. I think these people that run—they actually think that they're going to at least be a contender. I mean, Bloomberg never thought, okay, all he'll win is Guam. You know, I think th- I think these people's egos are that huge, and De Blasio was that delusional that I think he thought he could become president no. of the United States, that he wanted to turn the rest of the country into one big giant toilet bowl. Yeah, I don't think so. Because that's essentially what no. he did to uh to New York yeah. City. I agree. Well, I don't know. I, I, Maybe I, you're right. They just no, want the I, press. I agree about Bloomberg. There was even a lot of folks back then. Including me, that thought that Bloomberg would have a real shot because Biden was a mess and Bernie Sanders was on his way out and nobody was taking Amy Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg seriously. So I think you're right about Mike Bloomberg. There was a a, a lot of folks, smart folks, who thought he may actually be a contender, but no one, including himself, thought Bill de Blasio would even get 5% of the vote. No one. I could have been a contender. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't (laughs) I don't. I don't know. It's very delusional, but we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, I I don't know what to say. This is in a tipsy turvy world. I was going to actually mention this story, but I was hesitating whether or not I should about Jen Shaw. Did you see that? I, I did. I, of, I, uh, Salt Lake City. I did see it, and uh, she's going to go to jail for a long time. She took a lot of money from a lot of old people. I thought she was guilty from day one. I do watch the show once again. I watch all the Real Housewives, and uh, I have zero sympathy. Jen Shaw, zero. zero. Yeah. So it looks like she'll go to jail for at least 10 years. And then the other breaking news on the Real Housewives front, did you hear about Lisa Rinna? Lisa Rinna is calling she, it quits after uh, eight she, well, seasons. Well, I think they fired her. You think so? They fired her. Yeah. She wasn't Absolutely getting along with, um, her. She wasn't getting along with Kathy she was, Hilton. 
She was causing way too much drama. It's yeah. like, what is the upside? She, I understand you want to be the villain. You want to stir it up. That's what the producers tell you to do. But why? She was always so nasty. So nasty all the time. And then Lisa Vanderpump tweeted out, and I think also on her Instagram, she just wrote, ding dong, yeah. period. The witch is Get dead. It? Ding dong, the yeah. witch is dead. The yeah. witch is dead. Yeah. So that might like pave the way and open the door for Lisa Vanderpump to come in. Right now, everybody's heads are exploding. They're like, I can't believe they're talking about the Real Housewives, but that's what you get here on Sid and Friends. We'll talk about <laughs> everything from politics, yeah. Ambassador Bolton, Amy Klobuchar, Bloomberg, de Blasio, to Lisa Rinna, Jen Shaw, Lisa Vanderpump, because we're very well-versed. We know everything that's going on in the world. Yes, and, and the Real Housewives on. become a story today, too, because the guy that created that whole concept is Andy Cohen. And uh, we know, of course, uh, for days now, he's been feuding with Ryan Seacrest. But it turns out that Andy Cohen has come out and blamed Anderson Cooper for the whole Ryan Seacrest mess. Why? How? What do you mean? Why I, think it he... I thought they got they, they were upset with each other because Ryan made a comment, a shady comment that, oh, yeah, they shouldn't be drinking on New Year's. And so that's why they were kind of like uh, cold towards each other. But why is it Anderson's fault? I didn't read the whole column, to be honest. I was caught up in, um, I don't know, the Idaho murder and, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy and that type of thing. But I did see the headline read, Cohen blaming Cooper for the whole fray with Ryan Seacrest. So, there you have it. By the way, the idea I did the other day about the Idaho murder suspect, they came out with the affidavit. So, yes, they found the suspect's DNA on a sheath, a knife sheath in the sorority house. And again, he had been stalking the house and he visited the murder scene yeah. multiple times. Yeah. So, again, they used a genealogy expert to kind of pinpoint how did it. They have plus his cell phone records. It's just so yeah, crazy. And you yeah. look at these guys, this guy's eyes. My mom, who doesn't even know how to speak English that well, she saw his picture. She goes, oh, my God, he frightened me to my core looking at his eyes. So just pure evil, allegedly, if he actually did it. Well, well it looks we covered way. a lot of ground today. Yeah. So 5 o'clock tonight, John Katzmatidis, you don't want to miss it. We'll be talking more about John Bolton, Trump, McCarthy, you name it. And I predict that McCarthy will will get the nomination today. I, that's what I'm predicting. I think he made some he made some strides overnight, and he kind of turned some of those staunch uh, people that were against him. And I think he's gonna I think he's gonna become speaker. That's what it looks like. There was some letter that was drawn up late last night, and it looks like Kevin yeah. McCarthy is on his way to doing that. Although a lot of folks wanted to see Lee Zeldin jump in the mix, and I'm going to talk to Lee Zeldin about that. Coming up next. Awesome. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
I was at the uh, Ranger game on Tuesday night with Danielle and Gabe. And when the Rangers hit the ice for the first time at home, this is the song, Bob O'Reilly, the who that they play, and I just get all pumped up and punch people out. Guys sitting next to me punch him out across the face. Understand it. Not the popcorn out of his mouth, the whole thing. And then we played some hockey, you know. So, Phil, are you announcing right now that you're going to run like John Bolton for the President of the United States? No, I wanted to do it. I wanted to be, like, tease it. And, you know, I'm making a big announcement. I'm sure. coming forward. Right. I'm going to yeah. run for president. Right. I'll wait until one By the way, to, 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 to be completely honest, you have every bit the same chance of winning as John Bolton does. So it's a race. You're saying mm-hmm. it's a race. Between you and him, sure. sure. I, I'm yeah. in it then. It's a race, yeah. baby. See, my next guest on the phone, if he jumped in, and I mean this, it would go from a two-man race, which is all it is. It's just Trump and DeSantis. Forget about Tim Scott, Christy Noam, John Bolton, all these people. Forget it. It's either Trump or DeSantis. But if Zeldin jumped in, I believe Zeldin would make it a three-man race. Maybe he will. Who knows? Here he is, the pride of Shirley Long Island, a great politician here in New York, and nearly the governor of New York after an amazing campaign, my dear friend, Lee Zeldin. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Happy New Year. Uh, too. Who is the DJ over there, by the way? Because you're, you're playing some awesome music. Thank you. Into these segments. We, we split it, me and uh, Lou Rufino. I call for that one because of the Ranger game, but me and Lou Rufino split the music, and I'm glad you enjoy it because that is a major part of the show. But I was talking about the presidency and kind of kidding around about throwing your name in the mix, but... That wasn't a successful diversion into uh, talking instead about who the DJ is over there. I know. I like the way you change the topics, but honestly, have you ever thought about running for president in 2024? Ever think about it? I, I have not. But I, tell, I, I promise you this. At any point, if that thought crosses my head, I will come on air with you. I don't want any of you, know, you or your listeners to be holding their breath, though. Cause... <laughs> okay, fair enough. You know, because every know. time there's a position out there now, I want Lee Zeldin to get it. So weeks and weeks ago, our dear friend Miranda Devine wrote in the New York Post, hey, how about Zeldin, the Speaker of the House? And a lot of folks said, wait a second, he can't do that. He's no longer in Congress. They didn't realize you don't have to be a sitting member of Congress to be the Speaker of the House. So Miranda was exactly right. So this whole Kevin McCarthy thing is going back and forth, and I'm going, hey, what about Zeldin? Did that ever cross your mind? Well, I, listen, I, I, I appreciate uh, you, you thinking of me. You know, the real battle here, by the way, uh, you know, rest, rest burning soul. Everyone's thinking about him. I saw a great tweet uh, from Lydia uh, with the headset with Bernie's name on it, I'll tell you the real talk in the town is, you know, uh, with, with all the talent, if if Sid's uh, going to uh, going to have somebody more full time, you know, listen, I, I I will give up all the other speculation <laughs> to be added to that short list. That's the that's the list we're trying to get on. So you know, I'll say this: as far as the, uh, the speakership battle, um, you know, there's a, a phone call taking place at 10:15 this morning. Yesterday, uh, amongst the House Republican conference, uh, over the course of the last 24, 36 hours, uh, there have been negotiations amongst some of the top McCarthy allies with the detractors, a few of uh, a few of the detractors, to try to reach a deal. So what they're doing this morning is going to be pitching the House Republican conference on that deal. Let's say that that's agreeable. The speculation is is that it's going to peel off 
about 10 or it could peel off about 10 or 12 of the detractors. It's about half, maybe a little over half. Uh, McCarthy right now is uh, around 200. One person's out of town. Others uh, may be leaving over the course of the weekend. So here's the, here's the thing. If you if you pull off 10 to 12, you're now getting him pretty close to where Jeffries is. Something that is a potential option that they're talking about uh, is to change it from a majority vote to a plurality vote. The problem is you can't do a plurality vote now when you know Jeffries is actually getting more votes than McCarthy because then Jeffries becomes the speaker. Right. But if you're able to enter this deal and you're counting numbers and you realize you get to a plurality, if you could pass that, it requires a majority vote to change a majority vote to change the rule so that it goes to a plurality vote. You know that might be a way for McCarthy to get there. But here's the thing: if he doesn't, you're you're now getting closer to that point as you're getting to the twelfth ballot now, where maybe some of the people who have been sticking with McCarthy, some of them have been talking about. You know, saying, okay, we need to look elsewhere. Now, if we were to follow this to the next level, you and I have spoken about him. He speaks about you. The next person who probably gets that shot is Steve Scalise. Does Steve Scalise get more support or less than Kevin McCarthy? I don't know. If Steve can't get to 218, and this is all hypothetical, uh, it now goes to that next level of some of the names I've heard in the mix uh, include Patrick McHenry's congressman from North Carolina, uh, you know, the, the, I think that there is a strong desire for many for Jim Jordan. He doesn't want it. Belief that he can't get there. He doesn't want it. I mean, I, I know that Chip Roy keeps mentioning Jim Jordan's name. He doesn't want it. He keeps mentioning Byron Donald's name. He doesn't want it. So for me, McCarthy doesn't get it. You're the guy. You, Lee Zeldin. You. Well, listen, I, um, I, I've, I've gotten along very well with, uh, with that conference of 218. I, I will tell you that at this point. Uh, no one is getting – nobody is getting to 218. Not only – McCarthy – if McCarthy doesn't get there and he gets out and he doesn't endorse anybody else, no one else is getting to 218 because you have so many people who are loyal to McCarthy. So that next – if you were to really go to the next level, you know, it's interesting because let's say Ron and McDaniel at the RNC backs, backs out. The next person gets it because you only need a, you know, to, to get the more votes than your opponent. Right. You need to get a majority. Right. If McConnell got out, well, the next person would get it because it's just a vote in the conference. Whoever gets the most amount of votes gets it. In this case, if McCarthy got out, the next person doesn't just automatically get it because they have to get to 218. It's right. possible that as crazy as this all is, that if McCarthy gets out, it's even more uncertain. It's even more of a wacky process so we'll see what happens with this 10:15 call. There's a vote again at noon. We'll see how the 12th round ends up going, if it changes any votes. There's a question of whether or not they go through the weekend uh, or, or do they end up going home. Don't know. No, good question. Listen, I'm going to do me a favor, Lee. Just stick with me for about 60 to 90 seconds. i got to pay some bills and play a couple of spots. I want to bring you back and get your take, your personal take on Kevin McCarthy, plus a few more questions. Can you stick around for about 60 seconds? My man, Lee Zeldin, will come right back on Sid and Friends in the morning with my choice for Speaker of the House, my choice for President, my choice for RNC Chair. Any job out there, I want Lee Zeldin. He's back with me next. The exodus is here. The happy world of Entertaining and informative. This 
is sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Nice from the Hoot of the Rolling Stones. Let's uh, grab Lee Zeldin back on the phone here. You know, Lee, I have bring I bring on uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano on the show every Thursday. Him and O'Reilly are both on Thursdays. And um, I've been saying that I'm okay with McCarthy getting this position. I like the fact he wants to take Adam Schiff out right away. He wants to take Omar out right away. Talked about impeaching Mayorkas. I like all these things. And Napolitano said, I got to tell you, um, he's not really conservative. He's kind of a swampy guy, and he's not my choice either. He was the first non-politician to say that he agreed with people like Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert. Where do you stand personally on Kevin McCarthy? Well, from one standpoint, and there's no one who worked harder over the course of the last few years traveling the country and raising the money to, uh, to earn the position if that's how you earn it. Okay, like as far as like just putting in the hard work across the entire country, he put the time in. But this is what I would say. There's two most important top of list items that I want to see the next speaker be doing out of the gate. Number one is changing how the House of Representatives works. Don't just challenge the status quo. We want to change the status quo. I want people in Congress to actually be reading the bills before we actually uh, are passing them, that there should be a 72-hour waiting period. I want to see – I'm someone who supports term limits. I would love to see a term limit bill passed. There's all all sorts of different things that need to get done in order to improve the way that Congress acts. Second is that we have to save our country. I want to see fight. I want to see that you are all in to be able to do absolutely everything in your power to save the republic from the border to debt and deficit, uh, and and the list goes on. And there's an oversight role in holding the, the Biden administration accountable. What's happened over the course of these last few days, while it's very messy, while we're all watching what's going on, you're going on the 12th ballot, hasn't happened in, you know, who knows, what, 150 years, more, you know, 170 years that hasn't gone this far. Uh, that you, you're seeing more and more concessions, changes to the way that the place is going to be operated, and I think that that's good. I think it's good. And, and now there are people who are McCarthy loyalists who hate the fact that it's gone this far. Uh, I get it, and it's been messy. And, and you know, I like I like Kevin. I like the people who are out. You know, many of the people who are his detractors. Yeah, these are good people. If at the end of the day, and we'll see what happens today, we'll see what happens at noon, just in a few hours. If at the end of the day, when they're able to figure this out and come together, the House and the country is better off for the changes that are made, then I think the way that we should be looking back on these last few days is one that actually improved the republic. Although it's been a pretty hecky, uh, you know, pretty uh, yeah. messy week uh, getting here. Agreed. So last 30 seconds on this McCarthy thing. If he doesn't get it today and Jim Jordan says no thank you and Byron Donald says no thank you and everybody says no thank you, in 10 seconds, if your name ever came up, would you be interested? If if my colleagues from the House, when it got all the way down to that level, they, they called me up and said, you know, Lee, get you know, get on a plane and come down here and help us out. 
you know, whatever it is that they call to tell me to come on down and help them out, I'm, I always stand ready to assist. Oh, perfect. There you go. That is the serviceman in you, the hero that's in you. You're always ready to serve all the time. Uh, now, now, not only did you uh, go on to have this courageous fight against Kathy Hochul and run one of the great campaigns I've ever seen in 55 years, to your credit, but leaving was rough because the guy that took your spot has turned out to be one of the biggest embarrassments in the history of the Republican Party, and that is George Santos. He, um, he's not sworn in yet, of course, because we don't have a speaker yet, but he will be when we get the speaker. Your thoughts on the man that uh, took your position, George Santos? So George is, you know, he's a neighboring district. Um, my Because of redistricting, I actually ended up, my house is now in Andrew Garbarino's district. They changed uh-huh. the lines around, which, you know, as you know, they do every 10 years with the census. So, uh, listen, it, it, there's, just, there's just way too much that's just not true. Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing, I mean, you could be critical of Richard Blumenthal in Connecticut. The guy lied about his service in Vietnam. Maybe one of the worst possible things to lie about in politics uh, is, you know, that type of a claim that Blumenthal's making. You could go after, you know, Elizabeth Warren. You should go out, you go after Joe Biden for decades of lying about his biographical record. What What is gone on here in the exposing uh, of this new member, it's just, it's just way too much. I mean, I just do not see how he can recover from this because as each day goes by, you just learn that more and more is just not true. And I mean, I, the first, I mean, he's going to get sworn in. I mean, there's going to be a speed. He's not going to get expelled before. He's not going to be prevented from getting sworn in just the way the process works. Once he's sworn in, I just I don't know how he can possibly survive, and I just definitely don't think he's going to get reelected. So we'll we'll see how long uh, his time in the House ends up making it. And listen, I, I, I the other guy he's a a likable like if you meet him, he's a you know he's a charming guy. He's yeah. likable. Yeah. He's engaging. Yeah. So is Ted Bundy. He's dead. So is Ted Bundy. <laughs> it feels like it feels like you ever see like the Leonardo DiCaprio movie Catch Me If You yes, Can. Yes. Yes. This is like a sequel. <laughs> That's exactly right. That is, you're exactly right. you got to see that movie. You know what Lee Zeldin is talking about. Right on the money. That's perfect. So, on the way out, this is the two-year anniversary of January the 6th. While an embarrassing day, no question about it. Not nearly as bad as the media and Democrats have made it out to be. So, I'll move past that. Last thing, 60 to 90 seconds. Your opinion on the job Mayor Eric Adams has done so far. I mean, he, he's got to step up more. Uh, you know, like he's, you only get so, so much of a honeymoon. And you know, it, it's, it's one thing to know what the answer is. And I give Eric Adams a lot of credit you know, when he says the judges need discretion to weigh dangerousness, and we need to amend or raise the age, and there's education reforms that are critical. And he's getting stonewalled by people in his own party up in Albany. They personally attack him. They'll do it publicly on social media. It's crazy that the way people in his own party are, are holding him back. But there's no way for him to be able to save this city without him stepping up more to challenge these people. It sucks. You know, going against people in your own in your own party, people who maybe you consider to be your friends. You know, it's this isn't a pleasant experience. And they will go at they will continue to go after him publicly. But now you have to go to the next level and successfully advocate. The election for all these statewide offices, the the state legislative races, they're all behind us. 
They're getting sworn. They're all sworn in right now. They're up in Albany. They're going into a budget process. They're in a legislative session. It's time to actually do this stuff to be able to secure our streets and our subways and improve the quality of education in our schools to make life in New York more affordable. Go to the Met fighting for the people who elected you. It's one thing to have a nice game and people get along with each other and they're your friends. And I get it. And you don't want to challenge Kathy Hochul because she's in your party. Go to the Met for the Big Apple to save it. You are the absolute best, Lee Zeldin. I, I don't know what is next. We've talked about so many things, RNC chair, Speaker of the House, even floated president out there. But whatever it's going to be, it's going to be great because you're great. Hey, you can come in here, sit next to me anytime you want, Lee Zeldin. Yes. Anytime you want, buddy. Thank you so much for a great conversation today. And stay well and keep kicking ass. Okay, pal? Yes, sir. Take care. My man, Lee Zeldin, right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. That's your next speaker of the house. Watch, McCarthy's going to go bad, and he's going to be the guy. We're going to make it happen. Lee Zelda. Lots more to come, including a huge announcement, a baseball surprise that you'll only get right here with me, Sid Rosenberg, on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Come on. Is Sid and friends in the morning? No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the by lighting up, boy, from my friends, the star of the show, boy, boy. I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Boy, this boy. is Sid and friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Seventy-seven WABC. Hello, it's a living thing, 906, the fourth and final hour of today's Sid and Friends in the morning show on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Show's starting to make news every day. I don't mean We get the newsmakers, you know, the mayor. Then uh, Rudy is in the paper with this ridiculous lawsuit, and he comments on that. That'll be in the paper today. And then uh, Lee Zeldin saying how he'd be interested in being the House Speaker if, in fact, Everything else fell apart. That's news. Tired of making news. And then I announced my uh, run for president. That's right. Huge. Macedonia, Phil, huge news. Oh, that's yeah. big. Dave's yeah. going to have that at 10 o'clock, I think. 
Uh, she missed it in the last one. That's weird. She's, she's getting to it. Oh, no. No, she did put John Bolton there before you. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's weird because I, I, like, I stated I was going to run in opposition. She's got another more of your platform probably. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't do you like do? you. No. She's even said in the past if you got stabbed <laughs> on the way to work that you wouldn't even make it to the news. That's and weird. you're on the I show. Really, I don't really blame her, honestly. Nah, come on. You're a big star, bro. But you know what's, what's funny about the whole news-making thing is I've been asked a million times about not doing mornings because there was a short time in Miami. I replaced a guy that was a very popular, very popular Miami radio host. He was a tight end on the Dolphins when they went undefeated in the 72-73 season. He went on to become the analyst on Dolphins football. He was beloved and revered, and his name was Jim Mandich. And he succumbed to cancer. He died. And I replaced him at WQAM in Miami. And I was doing afternoons, and I hated it. Because by the time I got on the air at 4 o'clock, every major story had been discussed. I couldn't make news. I, You know, the beauty about the morning show is, is that I speak to Rudy first. You know, I speak to Mayor Adams first. I speak to Lee Zeldin or any of these folks first. And oftentimes, that'll put me and Bernie. A million times I put me and Bernie in the papers. A million. And now me. Um, And I like that. So I have to deal with sleep deprivation. I mean this. And for the most part, being exhausted all day, every day. If I'm lucky, I get five and a half hours. If I'm lucky, because... In this business, that's what makes, that's when you make it big. I mean, you look at the guys that make the most money, for example. They're always the Imuses, the Stearns. Yeah, you can be a syndicated host like Hannity, be on in the afternoons and make a ton of money. With no ratings in New York, by the way, but you can do that. But the huge successes, as you know, Lou, are the morning guys because we are the ones that tackle all this stuff first. You put... uh... It was kind of interesting, actually, because you're right. I never thought of it like that. You get to things late in the afternoon. So afternoon, I, that's my opinion, I think, too. You did it, you're saying it right. It's a big sacrifice because you don't sleep. Right. You don't get to it sleep. It sucks. I mean, it's I brutal. Was, uh, uh, the last 40 years of my life, I'll just be sleeping. No, it's true. Yeah, you know, so that's, I know that. But you get to, mornings is everything. And um, you get, you can break news. And by the time the afternoon comes... It's over. Yeah, a lot yeah. of it is over. And yeah. you actually experienced that, so... I did. Uh, and Don, and now sports is so different. it's a real thing. Yeah, I mean, Mike and the Mad Dog did make news because they spoke to Joe Torrey or Bobby Valentine Dave, or Bill Parcells. Dave Checkets. <laughs> Dave Checkets, right. So they did make news, a little different with sports. But in the news world, it's difficult to get to something at 4 o'clock and make it noteworthy. So... We do make, to your point, Lou, this sacrifice. And I'm tired. Of, you know, there's a lot of times I fall asleep in the afternoon. I'm not taking a nap necessarily. I'm just fall asleep. And I wake up like 15 minutes later with palpitations, like sweating, like, oh, my God. I just slept like eight hours, and I missed the morning show. Yeah, well, that happens It'll be 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It. Of course. Right? Right. You think it's you think it's morning. Yeah. Especially wintertime because it's dark a lot. Right. So you think it's middle of the night. You wake up freaking out. Oh, no. I've, that's happened to me numerous times. No. no. I have no idea what's going on. Am I supposed to? i got to be at work. Especially <laughs> Saturday morning, too. It's still a like I'm, wait, I'm awake at 4 a.m. Like, yeah. Oh, no. It's Saturday. Do you still, because I know I do, uh, do you still get up even on the weekends, holidays? But. 
you, I will get up, but then back you go right to, back to I bed, can, right? Right, right. but sleep. you still get up. I'll get up because my body is correct, correct, a right, right. Strange, but strange you'd be surprised. Ways. Even if you go right back to bed, which I do too, once you get up, once you've interrupted that REM sleep, yeah, that's it's it. never the same. No. No. You're, you're, you'll get up a, a few times after that. Right, probably. right. No, it's weird. The thing is that's relieving is that you don't have to be someplace. That's that a good thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like that. That's why yeah. if if we have to be somewhere on Saturday, we're like, why? <laughs> I have to be somewhere I, I, five that. days a week. Right, we that. hate that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to shower first, and you shower. And I, I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to open the fridge or yeah. have a coffee and then start eating. That's it's true. It. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Oh, my God. Phil, what about you, Phil? Did you experience any of these? Um, how long have you been doing this, your career? How long? Doing the mornings? Yeah. Since May, I think. It's a long time. Yeah. So do you suffer some of the things? Because me and Lou have a combined 70 years doing morning shows. 70. That's a lot. Yeah. Do you have any of these symptoms that we suffer? Oh, no, my my sleep schedule is like killing me day by day. It's, it's killing you. It's, I, I would say slowly, but it's rapidly. I feel the effects already. It's horrible. And you're a baby. You're like, what, 25? How old are you? Yeah, I'm 25 years old. Well, it's, uh, I, I just, I have to change out my sleep schedule. I have to sleep twice a day. I have to go home, sleep for a couple hours, wake up, because I have yeah. to watch basketball. You have to watch basketball. I, I have to every yeah. single day, and like hours upon hours so, of it. On so. a serious note, so you watch NBA games every day? Yeah, for like you're not six... really a fan of a team. You're not a Nick fan a, or a Nut fan. I'm a Thunder fan, but I, I use that loosely. I'm not like a diehard. And, and again, how did you become an Oklahoma City fan? It, I was young, and uh, they they moved from Seattle to Oklahoma City, and I and said, they're good players. Yeah, they had Harden and well, Durant at, at the and time, Westbrook. They were all young, and they were, it was a very very bad team. Oh. but I said I just want to start uh, liking the team from day one. No. I got to the chance to do that. So it's really stupid. Sure, yeah. Well, really I mean, stupid. I, there's not a lot, very much logic. Like in, if you would have said to me, for example, I mean this. Well, yeah. when I was growing up, there was a guy named Timothy McVeigh. And this uh, murderous son of a bitch uh, parked a van in front of a federal government building in Oklahoma City. The thing blew up and a whole bunch of innocent Americans, including at the bottom of that building was a like a... Um, not a kindergarten, but where they watch the kids. Uh, yeah, daycare. Daycare. All these little kids died that day. If you would have said, as a great American, I felt so badly for the people in Oklahoma City that I became a Thunder fan, I'd be like, wow, that's actually kind of cool. But no, you're stupid. You liked uh, James Harden or something. Yeah, Jeff or, Green was really cool. I like Jeff, Jeff Green. Green yeah, right, so, out of Georgetown. Yeah, yeah, so that's, no. that's the reason why. I, I don't no. care about any of this. You don't so, care about I, not, died, right? not even no. no. Well, you are a great American regardless. You're running for president? I am, yeah. What is your uh, What's your platform? What are you going to do well, for Well, the they're telling me I can't run. I'm 10 years too young. I have to be 35. But when I become president, we'll change that up a little bit. We'll what would up. you do with a country that... Uh, oh, well, I'd fix it. And how would you do that? You're asking a lot of questions. I know. You, you have no answers, do you? <laughs> it's already... What is the biggest issue with the country today that you need to fix? Uh, what would you do about the southern border, for example? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I know. I'm asking. I well, you know, I'd try to fix it. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Would you build a wall? Would you? Uh, oh yeah, sure. The do walls that. Would right. probably help. The yeah. Wall to help, sure. Yeah. What about inflation? I try to fix it. Fix that, right? Try. <laughs> 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 he got my vote, Phil. Print more. He's money already doing better than Biden. I mean, uh, Biden well, says here's a difference. He, he says I over. would try to fix it. Biden said I already fixed it. 
So Biden's lying, and at least Phil is being honest. Yeah, being well, honest. Phil's on the road. He'll be lying within. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, I lied. Yeah, way before I even announced my. He presence. told me two, three major lies this morning already. I, I, mean, I could see no Phil reason. like, yeah, like I could blue. see Phil in the Oval Office, bitching and complaining because there's not enough flat screen TVs. No, that's it. So he could watch the Nuggets on one screen. Yeah, yeah. get the heat on in here. Yeah. Can I want to watch have... six NBA games at once. Um, sir, North Korea is uh, ready to launch. <laughs> they've been testing. Not now. These, they've been testing these missiles. Not now. What, what are you talking Don't about? Djokovic has the ball in the paint. <laughs> he's gonna turn. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Oh no, he's actually oh, become. He's like. I don't care oh. about North Korea. Look at this game. The right Nuggets. Now. Right. Ninety-five yeah. all. With Thirteen <laughs> seconds. Give to me go. a minute, damn it! The game is down to the wire. Don't care. I don't see the issue with it. Honestly. Now, what would you do? So, like, you'd have to, like, in all seriousness, yeah, in all the seriousness last minute of, this... of, a, of a Laker <laughs> Nugget game, you would have to leave the telecast and, like, try to, uh, you know, stop us from going into World War Three. How would you do that's that? Something I'd have to do. Well, yes. Oh, that's yeah. pretty. President's hard. Maybe you don't want to run for president, Phil. Being president's hard. Yeah, no? you don't want to do that. He'd have five agents holding phones no. with the telecast. That's what <laughs> yeah. Sir, is this good enough? Maybe you should. How about this? I got a better job for you. And I mean this sincerely. Forget about president. You can't do it. What about being the eventually the commissioner of the NBA? You, instead of running the country, which you can't do, you can barely run your own stupid apartment in Brooklyn, but you can run the NBA. You'd yeah. be a great guy for that. Sure. What would you do to fix the NBA? What do you mean fix it? It's broken. It's broken beyond repair. It's not broken. Yeah, a bunch it's of different. scumbags and anti-American. I mean, just the most horror. And I want to listen. I I like the Knicks. Any opportunity I get, whether it's Corey Zelnick, Bill O'Reilly, Doctor Mark Siegel, I go. Gabe loves it too. But they are, for the most part, NBA players. The biggest collection of a holes that God ever created. Unlikable. Unlikable. That's, I mean, none really of you. It. Kyrie Irving's a douche. Kevin Durant's a scumbag. I mean, who do you like? That's two out of 450 players. I can name more, trust me. Shalom. I don't have time right now, but I will <laughs> at no, some point. I think the players are fine. Oh, they're great. Yeah, <laughs> fine. You know what fine stands for? Effed up, insecure, and erotic, and emotional. Okay. That's fine. So All four of those things are fine to no. me, too. He can't be commissioner of the NBA now because he yeah, doesn't think there's anything wrong Right. You think the league is great, yeah, so. It's great. Yeah, it's making, a, it's making a lot of money, and that's why I would, I would be collecting. It's not making a lot of money. And if the uh, first it does thing... make a lot of money. It's because of these, these athletes that you, that you are defending, these scumbags who have no issue with little kids <laughs> making five cents a week making sneakers in Beijing. <laughs> gotta uh, make money Phil, we need answers. Yeah. Listen, I'm not the commissioner yet, but when I get there, I'll have all the answers. For that <laughs> I'll start working. I've, I've got some time to work on. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. between telecasts. All right. <laughs> You're a genius, Phil. I don't know how you do it, bud. I don't know how you do it. I try my hardest not to. Your parents listen to this show. Do they hear you on the air? Sometimes. And do they, like, call you and go, my God, son, I'm so proud of you. No, my, my dad thinks... Uh, he thinks you're a moron. Yeah, he thinks I'm no, very no, stupid. No. My mom is proud of me. She said, wow, right. you're doing so good. My right. dad's like, you couldn't be any dumber. Yeah, well, your father's right. We'll uh, take a short break. We're back right after this. <laughs>
This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. And Jit goes, hilarious, I'll fix it. You remember the movie uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Dude. When Forrest Whitaker Jefferson smacked the car up? No, actually, uh, sh- uh, it was Sean. Yeah, he Sean smacked Penn. it up. It was Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Yeah. No, but Sean Penn said, my dad can fix it. Yeah. He's a TV repairman. Right. And the and the younger kid just goes, you can't fix this, Piccoli. <laughs> you can't fix this, Piccoli. And he's like, dude, I can fix it. And then he just t- puts his head out the window <laughs> and goes, I can fix this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that movie was genius, Just man. Just a great, great movie. Yeah, my kids, I don't get it. They don't make stuff like that it's, anymore. That's, you know. It's not going to work today. No, never. It's too tame. Agreed. So um, I'll great. fix it. People love that this morning. Congratulations, I'll Phil. Waiting on John Katsimatidis. I, I was expecting this big baseball announcement, but um, nothing yet. I do need a contestant for Sid's Take, your chance at cash and prizes. Thanks to the very generous Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Check them out today, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. So we did a, a two for Tuesday. That was rock and roll music. That was great. We did a witchy Wednesday. That was fun. The serial killers. We did a thirsty Thursday, which was the drink ingredients. Day is a football Friday as the alliterations, alliterations continue. Talking about football Friday. So the kid on the bills, Damar Hamlin, wakes up. We could all agree that's a wonderful story. Resuscitated twice, cardiac arrest. He wakes up. Great story. Great. God bless him. 24 years old. He's a baby on his way to recovery. We all love that. The first thing the kid writes down is, when he wakes up, who won the game? Because he was injured during a really important game between the Bengals and Bills, which, as you know already, they stopped. They postponed it. And now, it turns out, have no plans of rescheduling it, despite the huge playoff implications the game had. So the doctor, this is so corny, so 
corny. Got yeah, you. that's what I thought too. Actually, uh, he <laughs> goes, "Who won? You won, cause you won the game of life." Ay, ay, ay. Even me, fresh off playing the Carpenters. Yeah, right. <laughs> a guy who loves chick flicks more than anybody you know. Even me, I was like, who cries, really? Who cries during a rainstorm? Right, <laughs> right. No, it's true. I mean, everything right. makes me cry, everything. Right. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> you won the game of life. And the ESPN guys are eating it up. Oh, my God, this is so beautiful. This is so great. Do you know who I picture when I heard that? That was the first thing he asked. Oh, I miss. I, no, I no. pictured Benigno. I oh, Benigno, yeah. Joe Benigno, because like, that, God forbid, something happens to him during, like, a Jet playoff run. Yeah. Like, it's just, and he's on the race, finally <laughs> seeing the Jets, and they get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> right, and they then cancel some, it. Awful, <laughs> some, some <laughs> awful health thing happens to yeah. him. He gets resuscitated in a hospital. And like, who won? Joe. Who won? Joe, we've got you out of this long coma. <laughs> and they're like, bro, thanks, bro. Did the Jets win? <laughs> but it's not even like a good. It's not even like a good answer. The right answer would have been, nobody won the game, but the, you beat death. That's right, right. right. Not, yeah. not you won the game of life. You just yeah, stupid. told them the truth. Like, right. do you know the world stopped when you stopped when you were right? Like, no. do you know how big this was? I'll tell you how now? big it is. I'll tell you how big it is. This kid is in his second year out of Pittsburgh. He's having a good year. 91 tackles, one and a half sacks. He's become Leslie Frazier is the defensive coordinator for the Bills. He's become one of his more versatile players. Second season out of Pittsburgh, sixth-round draft choice. 99% of football fans before Monday night had no idea who this kid was. No idea. And now he is selling the most jerseys in the world. And his charity. Is yeah, it, $7 million. Like, look, like, he doesn't know anything about that right now, probably. Yeah, he probably doesn't. <laughs> uh, $7 million to his charity and his jersey. Amazing. Now, listen, listen. I think it's a wonderful story. I do. And I wish him, I hope he comes back and plays again. I wish him nothing but health, success, happiness. But I'm not running out to buy a DeMar Hamlin jersey because a kid Went into cardiac arrest and survived. I mean, who does that? Like, what? Why? Like, I'm still a giant fan. I, I don't even wear a Daniel Jones jersey these days. Let alone, why would you go and buy this kid's jersey? Well, you know, kids of the of Buffalo Bills fans. That's well, it. that's one He's thing. Set, but if you're not a Bill, no, 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 no. It's, he it's, is a number one selling jersey in the world. It's virtue signaling. That's what it is. Yeah, people but just, why? Why? It all the it's time. it's nauseating already. You, well, you, you know, another thing you're going to see this weekend is people wearing their team's jerseys. And whoever wears number three on their team, they're going to now ruin their jerseys, go on the back, cross out the back of their name, and, and put Hamlin instead of whoever whoever has uh, wears number three on that right, team. Right, right. That's what you're going to see. So now you're going to, you know, basically right, turn right. your jersey I don't know. Into... It's, it's a nice story, but it annoys me. Like, don't wear a Hamlin. If you're a Bills fan, yes, great. If you're a Jet fan or a Cowboy fan or a, or a Vegas Raider fan, don't wear a Hamlin jersey. You look stupid. You look stupid anyway. <laughs> you look... <laughs> I mean, God, yeah, you couldn't look dumber. I mean, I, one time this year I wore a jersey. One day I happened to be with Lou. The one day Lou and MJ and me and Dan Young to Harbor Lights to watch I, I, the Giants yeah. and the Lions, I wore Eli Manning jersey. Yeah, yeah you're not a big jersey wearing no, guy. stupid. I used to be that. Imus would kill me all the time. He's like, do you think you're going to play in a game if you wear that? Gun? <laughs> yeah, He's probably going to put you in. I wear a Piazza jersey almost every day. Do you think the Mets going to put you in a game, dummy, or what? I'm like, I don't know. I just, anyway. I don't, I don't know. That's not the right answer. Who wears jerseys? I mean, come on, stop it. <laughs> I did uh, once wear a Homer Bush jersey. Did you know that? Uh, no. 
It's a lie. He's supposed to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but but he was a nice player between 1997 and 2002. In fact, that 98 Yankee team that won the World Series, they beat the Padres. He was on that team, and he hit 380 in like 50 games. He was a really good player. Went on to be Delta Toronto in that Roger Clemens deal. And I'm not sure if you guys know this, but as we get ready for season number two, of Staten Island Ferry Hawk Baseball. And last year was a blast. John Katsimatidis and Margo and, uh, bought some of the team and went out to a bunch of games. I was there opening day. Roger Clemens was there, by the way. I was there the last game of the year, a few other games. It was a blast. And later in the year, the team started playing some very, very good baseball. Very good baseball. Credit to Eric Scheffler, Gary Perrone, and all those guys. And then um, the season ended on a playoff run, and now the expectations for season two are it's going to be a great year for Staten Island Ferry Hawk baseball, and we've made a big change, a big change. The aforementioned Homer Bush and Eric Scheffler both on the phone right now. Let's start with Chef. Eric Scheffler at Sid Rosenberg. How are you? Hey, Sid. I'm great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. So we know that late in the year last year with Alfonso at the helm, the team started to play much better baseball, much better that second half, uh, second half playoff run, the uh, the stands were packed. Staten Island was very excited about the baseball team. So now the expectations are this could be a really good season for Staten Island baseball. And we've got a new guy in charge. Tell the fans about him. We are super excited. You know, John Katsimatidis only does things one way, uh, and that is the best way. And he and I are both committed to bring a winner. You know, we view ourselves as New York City's best professional minor league baseball team and just a little bit behind the Yankees and Mets. And, you know, as we look to this next season coming off a strong first year, you know, we wanted someone who embraced, you know, the community engagement because we're building a community-based team for someone who was really an outstanding hitting instructor, someone who had the pedigree of being a, you know, a world champion and played and successful at the highest levels. And we are so excited uh, to get someone of the caliber of Homer Bush a lot of teams have tried to get Homer to manager over the years. He's been a successful you know, business executive down in Texas and Arizona. He's coached his son. He's done uh, stints with uh, the Texas Rangers. He's worked with USA Baseball. And, you know, John and I convinced him that New York City is the place where you make a name for yourself. And we can build, you know, this amazing baseball community-focused franchise, you know, at a stadium that looks at lower Manhattan every day with a skyline that no one can beat. So we're super excited and expect, uh, no pressure, Homer, but, uh, you know, big things on and off the field. Homer Bush is actually on the phone with us right now. How cool is that? With Eric Schepler. Homer, this is uh, Sid Rosenberg, morning show host here at WABC. I actually worked uh, at the fan when you were in Toronto. How are you, buddy? Good morning. Good morning, Sid. Thanks for having me. You got it. So uh, there it is. The announcement has been made officially right here that you are going to be the manager. Season number two, Staten Island Ferry Hawk Baseball. Again, you spent time in New York, that team in 98, the Yankee team that won the World Series. How much, Homer Bush, how much of Joe Torrey's tutelage will you take with you as a new manager, your first shot at managing in Staten Island? Oh, a ton. And, and it's all going to start with the uh, clubhouse culture. Uh, I, I used to always say that it was like 25 sons playing for their father when you play for a guy like a Joe Torrey. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he garnered the respect of, um, of uh, you know, someone that 
who was not only successful as a manager, but was successful as a player. So whenever he would speak, you definitely listen because you know he, uh, he knew what he was talking about. And you know the fans in New York very well. The good news for you, Homer, is when you were with the Yankees, you guys were winning. I mean, those teams won four World Series, you and Derek Jeter and Tino and that whole crew. You don't want to be here in New York when you're not winning, whether you're, <laughs> whether you're a Met, a Yankee, or a Ferry Hawk. So you've experienced great success. Thank God, not real failure. Does that scare you, intimidate you as you set to take on this job in one of the major boroughs? Oh, not at all. As a matter of fact, it's kind of what what, um, what I was excited about. Um, winning in New York is uh, totally different than winning in anywhere else in, uh, in this country, in the world, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, so that was the challenge I wanted because, uh, you know, it has definitely been the gift that's keep on, that has been uh, keep on uh, given to me and my family because of I was part of that 98 World Series team. And all you got to do is just be prepared for what you need to do uh, and everything will be fine. Play hard and give your jaw. Hey, Eric, let me ask you, you this. Uh, the team got off to a very, very rough start last year. My friend, the former great New York Met, Edgardo Alfonso, was the manager. And then seemingly halfway through, the team turned it around. What exactly was the difference on the field with the team in the second half? And how do you take that and make it work early on next season? Uh, great question. I think we had two challenges at the beginning of the year. One, you know, it was a new roster. And, you know, I think Edgardo was figuring out what players should be here and what shouldn't. And, frankly, we had some players figuring out whether they still wanted to play baseball or not. And you couple that with, you know, we had miserable weather. Um, it, it affected the ability to have spring training. But I think it took time for a team to gel and for us to figure out the types of players that succeed at this level and, frankly, find players who wanted to be here. And I think as we went into the second half, you know, we got off to a 9-0 and start, and you really saw that the roster came together, uh, the team came together, and the players were playing better, and we had the right players. So I think the advantage that, you know, that Homer really has is we inherit a roster, and we can look at that and say, you know, of this roster, there's 8 to 10, 12 really outstanding players that we want to keep back, and let's fill in around them. So you can identify where your needs are and you can identify where your strengths are and build your roster accordingly. And I think one of the advantages that Homer brings to the team is he has a real vision of what type of team he wants to put on the field and frankly, what type of team is going to succeed in our stadium and build a team to that couple it with, you know, the strong players that we keep back. You know, it's funny, uh, Homer, of course, you were dealt from the Yankees in that big Roger Clemens trade. You went to Toronto and Clemens came to the Yanks. And Roger Clemens was actually in Staten Island last year opening day because his son actually started the season on the Ferry Hawks roster. So that's kind of that six degrees of uh, separation. But Eric just talked about what you want to bring to this baseball team, your style, what is the Homer Bush style? What are you looking for from this team? Well, uh, you know, speaking with uh, John Kessman, TV's, uh early on, he was like, hey, I want to win. And looking at that ballpark, uh, you've got to have a high on base percentage, high contact. Uh, you've got to be aggressive on the base pass. And you, quite frankly, you've got to have guys that have the guts to hit with uh, runners at second base and uh, drive, drive guys in from second base. Uh, we're not going to be a big home run uh, hitting team. Uh, now, we will have that. You know, I'm not taking that off the table, but I'm looking for players that's going to be aggressive, uh, high baseball IQ, uh, and I think that's the recipe to get it done.
Homer, a, a lot of folks will say this is clearly a stepping stone move by Homer Bush. He goes to Staten Island. It's a great gig. You got John and Margot. You got a brand new stadium. Even the borough president, Vito Pacella, is excited about the team. And you're going to fill up the place, and it's exciting. But Homer Bush really has his eyes on the Texas Rangers or the New York Yankees. Who knows? Somewhere <laughs> down the road. Is that a fair assumption, or are you in this for the moment right now? Oh, uh, not, in the, uh, not in the near future. No, I really want to uh, uh, make this go. I, I want to bring a winner to Staten Island. Uh, you know, I, I listened to Eric Scheffler, and I, I can hear his vision clearly. He wants to grow the game locally. I want, I want to be a part of that. Uh, more importantly, you know, I, I need some seasoning as well. So I'm looking forward to growing as a manager, uh, as a leader. Uh, and, you know, I want to be a big part of, uh, of New York. You know, I didn't have the opportunity to do it like Geeter did, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I can be the prince of New York, you know. So. Well, one more for you, uh, then we'll go. How, yeah, one more for you, then we'll go back to Eric. In New York. You, know, you mentioned Jeter, and, of course, uh, the Staten Island team was the Staten Island Yankees before they became the Ferry Hawks. Randy Levine is a tremendous guy. I know you know Randy. He's a great guy. And uh, he's he'd like to see this team win, too. So, being you mentioned Derek Jeter, those were teammates back in 1998, Jeter, uh, Rivera, Bernie, Andy. What are the odds that on any given Sunday in Staten Island, next to Homer Bush inside that dugout, is I don't know Derek Jeter? Any you know, chance I, of that? I, I would I would not take it off the table. But one thing I can say is that uh, first you have to ask. And but <laughs> hey, if we're winning, there's no telling who's coming out to the park. That's awesome. So I will leave it at that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> So, Eric, you um, look, the expectations, again, you talked about it. The team won the first nine games in the second half. Here comes Homer Bush, pretty good baseball resume. Yankee wins a World Series. Toronto, the Roger Clemens deal, has been around baseball the last 20-plus years. So there's no reason to think, based upon the second-half success and a guy like Bush managing the team, that this Staten Island baseball team can't be really good. So what do you guys do now leading up to opening day in April? Uh, our focus now is on players. So Homer is out there every day looking at player roster. He's calling, you know, the Jeters, the other guys he played with, asking them for players. He's calling his agents, his scouts, everyone that he has met, you know, over an illustrious 20-year career in baseball, both at the development level and the major league. You know, he's on the phone uh, doing that because this, you know, success is about building the roster and getting the types of players he wants. So we're looking at you know, statistics, looking for guys with stolen bases, looking for guys with, you know, high OBP and looking to reach out to them and sign them. And then we're focusing on our guys. You know, we have a really great core of players that our fans like and appreciate, and we're working on signing them and we'll start making announcements, uh, you know, about that last week. But, you know, Homer was a big asset and he's a hot commodity in baseball. And I'm, we are really excited to get him and I hope we have him for a couple of years. But, you know, it's New York City, and this is a big platform uh, for him to bring a winner here. And, uh, you know, John and I both view this as a big win for the organization to get someone who is in demand and is kind of a rising star in the game of baseball. So it's I a agree. big win for Staten Island yeah. and a big win for John. No doubt. And, Homer, if you thought George Steinbrenner was a great owner, wait till you get to know John Katsimatidis. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's the word on the street, yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, take it from me. I've been in this business a long time, 20-plus years doing Radio New York, including the fan. Nobody better, nobody 
than John Katz and Matitis. You got the right ownership. You got great guys like Eric and Gary working with this baseball team. You got a talented roster. The sky is the limit. Congratulations. I'll see you at the ballpark all summer long. Best of luck and go get them, Homer Bush. You're the guy in town now. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sid. Looking forward to it. All right, pal. You too, Eric. Thank you so much, Eric Shepler. Thank you. Thank you. All right. There they are, Eric Shepler from the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. And, yes, the major announcement, former New York Yankee and Toronto Blue Jay, Homer Bush, is now the manager, season number two, for the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. Boy. Now it's time for Sid's Take. Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. That's correct. Matt Meany here today hosting the game uh, as program director. I could make that decision. So uh, we have, uh, oh, this is uh, Sid's Take. Uh, it is Football Friday today. Uh, all football-related questions sponsored by Peerless Boilers. Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com for uh, America's best-built boilers. We have Anthony in West Babylon. we got to crank through this. Hey, Ant, how you doing? Yo, living the dream, brother. I love it. What do you, uh, what do you, what do you do in, uh, what do you do for a living there? Gotcha. Okay, very good. Cool. That's enough uh, for me, and uh, we're going to get right to it. Five questions, going to blast right through them, uh, and we'll ask Sid the same and see who wins. All right? Okay, here's my football, but go ahead. All right, we'll see here. Let's go. What three-time Super Bowl champion now provides color commentary for Monday Night Football? <laughs> Need an answer. Tell me Bradshaw. Ooh, not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. We were looking for Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman. Crap. All right. What, uh, where did free agent and former New York Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. go to college? National community. <laughs> no. Loser. We were looking for Louisiana State <laughs> University. That's number number three. Yeah. <laughs> one of the two. What, uh, name one of the two NFL MVPs to ever win the award unanimously there's two of them both happened after 2010 god can be a guess the green bay okay aaron Rodgers. now oh it's not not looking good and number four tcu will be competing for the national championship against georgia this monday what is tcu's mascot Oh God! Yeah. Uh, oh God is not God is not their mascot, though it is Texas Christian yeah. University. Yeah. Okay, Jesus. All right, Jesus is wrong. We were looking for <laughs> Jesus is everywhere. Everywhere with the horned frogs, and finally, besides the ones that are symmetrical, every NFL logo faces right, except one. Name the only team's logo that faces left. And Anthony, just for the hell of it, I'll give you a hint. The executive producer of this program, it's his favorite team, if you listen to the show. Oh, Buffalo? Oh, no. No. We're looking for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, and hang on hold. I'm going to ask Sid the same five, see how he does, and uh, we'll take it from there. Oof. Yeah, 0 for 5. Not a, not a great showing, but hey, listen, you know, now uh, now everybody knows they got to, you know, brush up on their sports uh, the trivia. 
So, at least it's Friday. It's Friday, baby. <laughs> TGIF. Right, get the hell out of here. And Sydney is coming back to the studio. Uh, Sydney Arthur, our uh, contestant, Anthony from West Babylon, went a whopping 0 for 5 today. So You know something about football? Nope. Then why do you call in for I, I, don't, I don't know. They want to talk to you. They want to talk to you. Uh, come on. All right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, what three-time Super Bowl champion uh, Super Bowl champion now provides color commentary for Monday Night Football? No, I don't even know this. Oh. He, he won three. I don't watch Monday Night Monday Football. Monday Night? You won, come on. The Bills game? What the hell? He oh, know. yeah, that's true. Uh, it was... Um, Troy Aikman. Spectacular. Here's Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Put it in the books. Number two, where did... By the way, what two coaches won his three Super Bowls? Two coaches. Jimmy Johnson. Johnson. And? Johnson won the first two, then he stepped down and Uh, delivered the third two. Tom Landry. No. Landry was the guy they fired for Jimmy Johnson. Guy by the name of Barry Switzer. Ah, coach yes. Oklahoma. He did, Oklahoma. Yeah. That's right. Number uh, two. two. Yes, quick. We got to do this quick. Where did free agent wide receiver and former Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. go to college? He was on the same team as Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins took Landry in the first round. The Giants took Odell Beckham out of LSU. Yeah. <laughs> All right, name one of the two NFL MVPs to ever win the award unanimously. Peyton Manning. Oh! Tom Brady in 2010 and Lamar Jackson in 2019. All right, you get this one. Get on track here. TCU will be competing for the national championship against the Georgia Bulldogs. What is TCU's mascot? Horn frog. Yeah. Oh, wow. One of the best. <laughs> they got some pretty cool jerseys. It's I a good say. team. That and kid Max Duggan's a good quarterback. Yeah, he's a tough yeah. kid. All right. And finally, number five to round this out. Besides the ones that are symmetrical, every NFL logo faces right except for one. Name the only team's logo that faces to the left. Yeah, blow me. How about that? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I know a lot about the NFL, but are you serious? I'm not going to give you a hint that I gave the caller because it was a sympathy hint because he didn't get any right. Cleveland Browns. Not a bad guy. I don't know. Couldn't even wait for the hint. The birds. <laughs> oh, the birds. The Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles wow. ladies and gentlemen. Nicely done, Very by the way, Matt Meany. That is our program director. And uh, a huge part of the Bernie and Sid success over the years. I love Matt Meaning. Thank you very much. We'll come back and uh, wrap it up. It's been a great week of shows. Sid and Friends in the morning. We'll be right back. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. On 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Turned on the 
Duran Duran. We started with Duran Duran. Come on, done. We end with Duran Duran. Ordinary world on this Friday morning. Great show today. I want to thank all of our guests. Mike Ragusa, that's my choice. City Council, Brooklyn, Bay Ridge. No Ari Kagan, no Justin Brennan. Yuck. My guy's Mike Ragusa. Curtis Sliwa was great today. Terrific. Rudy Giuliani. How terrific was uh, the mayor today? Joe Tacopino, great. Lee Zeldin, great. And that was a thrill talking to Eric Schepler and the new manager. You heard it here folks, uh, first, folks. The new manager, season number two of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, former New York Yankee world champion, 1998 New York Yankee and Toronto Blue Jay, Homer Bush, replaces Edgardo Alfonso. He's the new manager of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. And that's very exciting news. Congrats to John and Margot Katsimatidis. Should be a very exciting season of baseball this summer out in Staten Island. Lou, great job this week. I love you. I love you, too. Don't change. <laughs> I'm not Just going don't to. don't change unless I'm you call me. I'm not going to. When yeah. you call me first, then you can change. I want you to change, though. No. Just one little, one, a little bit. What do you want me to change? Adams. Stop being such a such a D-bag? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll work on it. But you know why? Because the people on the internet are so stupid. And now, because you don't like him, I kind of throw oh, you into please. the same mix. Oh, my God. I'm with yes. Lou. I stand with Lou. You don't like Adams either? No. You're never going to like him? Never. Because your apartment in Brooklyn sucks? Because he there's rats in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and Curtis isn't there to get him out. <laughs> oh, boy. we got to face the rats. Lou, you were great. Macedonia Phil, terrific. Justin Ellick, great as always. Deb Valentine, great week of work. We'll all be back, ladies and gentlemen, God willing, at 6 a.m., On Monday morning, until then, enjoy your weekend, New York. From all of us on Sitting Friends in the Morning, to all of you, peace! Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority. PriorityGoldGuide.com